0: And uh-huh. here PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Hey there. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine talking about the Skype-Microsoft merger and things related to Apple. Ross Rubin of the NPD Group will give his analysis of the takeover of Skype and other issues then we'll hear from Ryan Rosenberg of the FileMaker division from Apple to talk about their database product and how easy it is to use for all sorts of different purposes. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have a new friend of the show this week on The Tech Night Out Live. His name is Lex Friedman and he works with Macworld Magazine. Lex, welcome to the show. I have a picture of your smiling face which must be before you go to work in the morning. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here, Jane. Okay, Lex, tell us how did you happen to get involved? in becoming
1: a Macworld writer. Uh, About two years ago, a little more than that, maybe two and a half years ago on Twitter, all of the uh, Macworld senior editors, you know, Jason himself and Dan Frakes and uh, Dan Morin, they were all posting call-outs looking for new iPhone app reviewers. And I thought, well, that sounds mildly interesting. So I emailed the address mentioned in the tweet and got hooked up with Philip Michaels at Macworld. You know, after I started writing reviews for him, you know, he started me out with really short 200-word blurb reviews, and then I grew to the 500-word reviews, and then suddenly I I was doing analysis and features and op-eds and how to's and that sort of thing. And eventually they just got sick of working with me as a freelancer and hired me instead. Now, one important thing here, what, particular expertise do you have to write all this stuff? Well, you know, I uh, I started out as a, a Mac user. I got We got our first Mac in my family home around 1986. Uh, my initial computer obsession was with programming. You know, our very first computer that I had was a, a Commodore 64 and a TRS-80 and then I graduated to the K-Pro. And, you know, my obsession with computer programming led me to a summer camp where I studied computer programming because that's the kind of summer camp I went to. <laughs> and, um, you know, just all those years spending time trying to convince computer to do my bidding really helped me uh, become at least a self-appointed expert in all things Mac. Okay, so you
0: are an expert in your own mind. <laughs> exactly. I feel your pain. Okay, let's cover some of the things that we've been dealing with this week, and one of which, because we're talking and we do a lot of the networking for this radio show and all the other show, the PowerCast, with Skype, which is a free peer-to-peer communications program for audio and video, and they also offer telephone service. You could call to and from Skype using regular telephone lines, mobile phones, and that's where they make their money, such as it is. So we hear the story this week, first, that maybe Google or Facebook would want to pick up Skype. And then the
1: winner... Is Microsoft, what's your take? It's a smart strategic move for Microsoft, although I still find, you know, the, the price tag, $8.5 billion, kind of stunning. Uh, and it may prove to be a, a, a brilliant decision by Microsoft, but I understand at least why they did it. Apple's pretty well established with its own VOIP niche, thanks to, to FaceTime and iChat. Google's already got VOIP technology of its own, too, between Google Voice and the Google video chatting that you can do via Gmail. And it was a, a hole for Microsoft. You know, Microsoft did not have a, a really well-adopted uh, means for doing this kind of uh, video and audio chatting. So it what makes about sense
0: MSN me. Messenger?
1: I, per- I can't speak for everybody. And it's true I'm in an Apple-centric circle, but I have just never met anyone who continually relied on MSN Messenger for any length of time. But they do have as many or more users than but, Skype does. The the number I saw yesterday was that Skype was picking up something like 500,000 new users every some time period. It was a month or something. Like, insane amount, amounts of new users. And I think that it's it's really, you know, uh, the, the amount of conversation happening via Skype each day is what I think must have really lured Microsoft more than anything else.
0: Okay, but if you're going to spend $8.5 billion to buy a property, you have to justify this to your investors. You have to say, folks, in some vague point of time... We are going to make back that eight and a half billion dollars in some fashion. So how do they do it?
1: It's a great question. I mean, I'm glad it's not my problem. What Microsoft said in its, in its statement announcing the deal was that they, they want to incorporate Skype and it's like oh, I, I really I suppose the underlying Skype technology into Xbox and into Outlook and into, you know, various software that they already own. And I, I mean, if uh, clearly Xbox Live already lets people talk to each other, but perhaps, and I don't know the specifics of how Xbox Live does it, but you know, perhaps that it doesn't use the peer-to-peer approach that Skype has really succeeded with. If Microsoft can get better quality, audio quality, particularly with Xbox Live, I'm sure that would be appreciated by everyone. To me, part of it must be just that they want to improve their technology. And then second, I think it's just that they've now given themselves access to a much wider user base than they had before. Okay, the other question is the quality of the technology.
0: Now, as we understand, Skype is a peer-to-peer network, and actually the network bandwidth is the person hosting the conversation. Am I correct? Yes, you are. Okay, this is based on a peer-to-peer file-sharing product that the founders of Skype had many years ago. It was one of the compatriots of Napster in those days. So that was a kind of software where people, you know, they kind of downloaded songs they shouldn't be downloading, that kind of thing. So they went legal, as so many people do. You know, young people try something, and maybe it's of questionable legality. And you have to go back to the days of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak for this, because it was rumored in the early days, they built these blue boxes. What was a blue box? Nothing like what you think. It was a device that allowed you to access the traditional phone network to make free long-distance calls. Right. Of course it wasn't very legal, but that's what no. they did. And then of course they became, you know, multi millionaires and billionaires doing real legal stuff. But we understand that. Now, Skype has a checkered history though. It's never been a money maker. Then eBay buys it. I guess figuring that people who are involved in auctions and other transactions, you could start this community, you can
1: call these people and get information about the product before you buy it, didn't work out too well. No, and it's you know eBay paid billion back in October 2005. And my take on at least a big piece of why it didn't work for eBay, why eBay ended up dumping it all, is this sort of legal contention between the original developers of, of Skype who sold it to eBay where they always maintained that they sold, you know, Skype the surface and Skype the user base eBay but that they maintained and still owned the underlying technology. And I think that left eBay in a really tricky place where it felt like it, it they didn't know what they could and couldn't do with it after a while. Uh, now how you can make a 2.6 billion dollar mistake like that, not know what you're getting yourself into, not really acquire the underlying technology, the powers it is beyond me, but um uh, to me that's the biggest it's got to be the biggest reason that Skype failed as a, uh, an eBay acquisition.
0: All right, so we assume- of course, Microsoft is getting the whole kit and caboodle. But still, yes. you know, I don't know how you make eight and a half billion dollars. And part of the problem
1: is Microsoft hasn't done well with acquisitions. You're absolutely right, and I I, I think the jury's going to be out on this one for a couple of years, Gene. Just because, to me, the I mean, when you look at Skype's history, they haven't really been making money ever. I I, I remain. Uh, very curious about how microsoft thinks they're going to turn it around to really turn it into something profitable when your core business model is giving people something for free which is really the 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 crux of what skype does because i mean many many people use skype like you and i do for you know internet calls and internet video chatting but it's a very very small percentage of its user base that ever ponies up to cash for either multiple video chat participants or calling out to telephones
0: Actually, I understand it's eight or eight and a half million people who pay for Skype. I do, by the way. We do because there are times we have to place calls to people on regular phone lines. So we pay a monthly fee for that. Sometimes we have to call people overseas, outside the U.S. and Canada. So we pay a per minute rate for that. We also have a Skype in calling number. Okay, so people can call us. Yep. Once again, that phone number requires a quarterly payment. So I'm one of the eight and a half million. Understood. But the question is here is, can they build from there? And I think if I was a stockholder for Microsoft, and we're going to explore this in more detail a little bit later on the show with Ross Rubin of the NPD Group about the impact of the industry. If I was a stockholder, I'd say, you know what? For
1: $8.5 you couldn't have built this technology yourself? Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things you could buy with $8.5 billion. Dollars. I agree with you there. It's the same question, of course.
0: Why is AT&T spending 39 billion for T-Mobile? They couldn't spend 39 billion or half of that to build out the technology themselves. Oh yeah, they're killing a competitor.
1: Exactly. You know, MacWorld ran a story yesterday where people are really looking at this as a, a defensive move, a defensive move by Microsoft, where they they didn't want to be the only major player without a widely adopted and, and crazily used um video chatting protocol of its own i'll tell you what we'll get into more of this in a moment we have lex friedman
0: from MacWorld magazine i'm gene steinberg here in the tech night out live <laughs>
2: Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler Reusable Canning Lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler Reusable Canning Lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler Lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler Lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning. Eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard Mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1 877 747 2793. 877 747 2793. Call 877 747 2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
3: Good day. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, May thirteenth, two 2011. Gold opened this morning at $1,511. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for $1549.36, $774.69 for a half ounce, or $387.35 for a quarter ounce. That's $1549.36, dollars and $387.35.
4: The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support for the Campaign for Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I have teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic, proof, quarter ounce pure gold coin. For only $440 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800 686 2237 to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237.
5: Big Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit waterfilters.com. Or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 877-99-BERKEY today.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night All Live, send it to news at tech that's news at tech com and don't forget you can visit the famous Tech night community forums at forum get in on all the action that's forum
0: we're back with Lex Friedman of Macworld magazine exploring A whole bunch of subjects, Microsoft and Skype, a little bit of AT&T and T-Mobile and all that stuff. And we know that the executives from T-Mobile and AT&T have appeared before Congress to justify the merger. Dan Hesse, the outspoken CEO of Sprint, he's the guy you see on the commercials, by the way. He's saying, you know, this is not a marriage made in heaven. It's just an anti-competitive measure. But then we go back to this here, and that is, does Skype have anything in its technology that's so far in advance of Microsoft that Microsoft had to spend $8.5 billion to get it? Or did they buy it as a defensive measure because there were also reports that Google and Facebook were going after Skype.
1: Exactly. And I think think it's really got to be that, you know, that latter point you made there. Because Microsoft, I don't know if it's a question as much as of Microsoft needing Skype and needing that user base and needing the technology as much as wanting to make sure that it didn't let it go to one of its, you know, one of its really, its two biggest competitors right now in, in Google and Facebook in terms of establishing a really strong online presence. And one of the other problems is that Microsoft
0: hasn't had a good time being competitive online. I mean... They acquired or bought into Yahoo by incorporating Bing search technology. Supposedly, the better compete with Google, but it looks like all they've done is cannibalize Yahoo's market share. Google seems to be about the same thing, what, 65 66%, give or take a percentage point. So they spent all this money making this deal with Yahoo to what purpose? To buy horrible commercials on TV? (laughs)
1: and like you're saying you know it's another defensive move and it's it's their hope that they'll it's the only way i think that the folks at microsoft must be thinking this is the only way they can really stay relevant online um, that's the kicking and screaming approach yeah exactly right
0: if you don't have the technology and you feel some competitor would beat you to it or has already beaten you to it and you have to kind of keep up you do all this stuff but you know what It doesn't always pay off. It doesn't always help the bottom line. The whole point is the bottom line. The whole point is you take all these investments with the thought that you're not just going to gain traction in a market, but the profits are going to be there.
1: Yeah. yeah, No, I think you've nailed it. I mean, to me, it looks like the same way that, you know, the Bing and Yahoo arrangement uh, strikes me is that it looks like uh, a panic based decision where, as you said, you know, you realize that you have no market share in this area or that you have no mind share or you're you're just, you know, completely outmatched by somebody else. And I think the fear of trying to recreate what Skype has from scratch is daunting. I don't agree with Microsoft's decision as a, is a sound business investment to say, let's buy Skype, but I at least understand what they were thinking. I, whether it will work out, I think is a much bigger question.
0: I think the price is going to bother a lot of people. The stock price didn't do that well, so I don't think the financial community was all that impressed by what Microsoft has done. And the other question I'd have here is, do you think Microsoft has reached a point where maybe Steve Ballmer and his crew ought to be shown the door? I mean, the stockholders have a right to do that. The board of directors have the right to fire somebody if they're not doing the job.
1: Yes. I mean, uh, Steve Ballmer clearly knows a lot of things and clearly has had some tremendous accomplishments to get to where he is. But Microsoft under Steve Ballmer really just really just strikes me as, as not nearly the company it was under Bill Gates. And Bill Gates, I think, you know, is not at all a, a businessman in the style of Steve Jobs. He's much more a businessman and, I guess, in the style of himself, of Bill Gates. Where He's he, a salesman. You know, he was, right. He's very shrewd. He was good at, you know, getting things done. And Balmer really just seems not even like he's guessing, but that he's, he's guessing at what people want him to do and has no true grand vision for what they're doing.
0: It all goes back to this. They say, well, you know, we don't have the technology today, but Buy your Windows Phone 7 device because we'll add the fixes later. It's kind of like this review I read of this new Google Chrome notebook computer. It's a standard notebook computer featuring the Google Chrome operating system. So it says, well, it doesn't have this feature. You can't cut, copy, paste, or whatever the feature is lacking. You can't do this, you can't do that, but they'll be rolling out updates. Every month or two. And you think, doesn't a consumer who buys a product want something that's already ready? I mean, we understand that the first iPhone didn't have multitasking for third-party apps, that it didn't have cut, copy, and paste, but it was a fully featured product. You could do everything that was on it. Everything on in there worked the way it was supposed to work from day one. You had a fully realized product. In the case of all these competitors, Google, Android, all this stuff, it's always here's the beta version, use it
1: now, we'll fix it later. And I think that's the same criticism being labeled, you know, being levied against these competitive tablets that are trying to take away some iPad market share. You know, when people are reviewing the, uh, the rim BlackBerry playbook, they're saying, well, it's, it's really lacking right now, but what they have in, you know, what they have in store for it should really make this be something worthy. And, you know, that's what I'll be interested in looking at it. Same thing goes for the uh, Motorola zoom where they say, you know, it's, it doesn't really do all the things we said that it was going to do yet, but it's going to one day. And I, uh, that's not interesting to me. It's, it's the, it's the modern version of vaporware it's vapor features and it just, uh, it doesn't cut it for consumers, I agree.
0: This is the one thing that's going to hurt in terms of sales. In the end, it has to. I mean, there's reports now that the $49 2009 iPhone 3GS, okay? Right. That's outselling some of the more modern Google Android devices on
1: AT&T. What I think that a lot of these Android phone makers aren't thinking or aren't accepting is that the question people ask themselves isn't, I want to go get you know a device that has Apps. I want to get a smartphone that has these features. People say I want an iPhone, and they don't say I want a tablet that I can touch and do stuff on the screen. They say I want an iPad. So just you know, building entities just to compete with the iPhone, where you say where you can make a list and say, look, we match them feature for feature on these these lists, or you know, we have apps that do these same things. Uh, we might not have as, it's like it's the old version of the Mac versus PC argument from you know. A decade and a half ago, but it's, you know, we might not have as many games, but we have all the really good ones. That's not exactly the point. What people crave isn't the feature set. They crave the iPad. They crave the thing that's magical. They crave the iPhone, the thing that everybody whips out of their pocket and is just really a, a powerful and easy to use device. I'll tell you about the
0: iPad, the latest customer, the queen. That's right. Isn't that fascinating? And that's the other mistake, and I'll ask Ross about this later in the show, and that is, is this a tablet market? Or is it an iPad market? Right now, it still seems to be an iPad market. People buy these other products because they're widely advertised,
1: but they really want to buy an iPad. I agree completely and I think that the the company that I think is unbelievably doing this the best right now or has the best strategy is uh, Barnes & Noble with its Nook Color you know they've they have they have the update for the Nook Color so that you can use what was originally built as a, a multi-touch e-reading device now you can use it without having to break any rules or do any jailbreaking or anything like that you can use it as a, a tablet of sorts too and run Android apps on it but they're not trying to compete with the iPad in terms of saying this is a, a full power tablet that can do everything they're saying we're a A fancier e-reader. We compete a little bit with the Kindle, we compete a little bit with the iPad, but we're trying to define our own niche. Instead of saying, we're trying to make an iPad knockoff, they're trying to build their own thing, which I think is really people's best bet if they want to try to compete at any sense with the iPad.
0: That's the point there. They either have to come up with a better idea, not an 80% solution. That's right. And if you come up with an 80% solution against the market leader, you're going to get in trouble. It's not like what Microsoft could get away with 10, 15, 20 years ago, which was, Okay, Windows today doesn't have all the features of the Mac OS, but we are on all these PCs, and we have more apps, and we'll add the features later. So stay with us. That was always their excuse, and it's the kind of excuse that worked then, but doesn't work in the second decade of the twenty-first century. We've got more with Lex Friedman from MacWorld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. Hey, neighbors, meetings are an essential part of any business. You know, making presentations to clients, collaborating with your colleagues. Well, make them as simple as possible to run and organize. Use GoToMeeting by Citrix, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. With GoToMeeting, you can schedule an online meeting in seconds. Attendees can join with just a click from anywhere. Meeting materials are viewed on everyone's screen. Making collaboration seamless. GoToMeeting is so easy to use for you and everyone joining your meeting. Plus, with GoToMeeting, hold as many meetings as you can for one flat rate. You have phone conferencing and voice over IP are included. You know, my listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, a month of unlimited online meetings free. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code PODCAST. That's go to meeting.com, promo code podcast.
3: Spring and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A, seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, OrganicaSeed is healthy seed.
2: If you suffer from poor sleep, you need my pillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, my pillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. My pillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. My pillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. My pillow is made in the USA. Has an a rating with the better business bureau comes with a 60 day money back guarantee and an industry leading 10-year warranty order today at mypillow.com or call 952-442-6199 that's 952-442-6199 mention coupon code gcn and receive 20 percent off your order what do you have to lose except poor sleep mypillow.com the most comfortable pillow you will ever own guaranteed
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN, great talk radio, starts here. Live with Gene Steinberg.
9: It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: We have Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're on the Tech Night Out Live. So far, we've explored, well, the Skype and Microsoft merger, a little bit about the inability of some of these other companies to find a meaningful way to compete with Apple in terms of the iPad, in terms of the iPhone, the fact that these markets are not so much tablet markets. Well, that's an iPad market. In terms of smartphones, well, there is an existing smartphone market, but maybe Apple has become such an iconic product that that's what you have to use. You look on TV. Sometimes you see shows with Windows Phone 7, like Castle. They always use Windows Phone 7. That's the ABC show. Another show, Body of Proof. Well, the one they've got, they've got Macs in the medical examiner's office in the Philadelphia area, and they've got iPhones. Everyone has an iPhone. iPads have become plot lines on TV shows.
1: I loved the Modern Family episode where the character was waiting in line or, or got his wife to wait in line for him to try to get the iPad. I thought that was classic. There was a show called Barely Legal
0: where the woman who plays this arbitrator tells her assistant, get me an iPad. <laughs> so, of course, he gets an iPad then plays with it and decides he's going to keep it for himself. <laughs> in some of the CSI knockoffs, CSI New York, I think, the iPad was a part of the plot. You know, where somebody who was killed kept all this information on their iPads, not just one, but
1: several. How do you compete with that? If I'm Microsoft, if I'm Google, how do I compete with that? I mean, when you sell as many millions of a brand new device in a brand new category that you're creating, it's, I mean, Apple's clearly not just dominating the market, but the mindshare too. I mean, that is what people associate with a tablet. Everything else is not just a new tablet. It's, they're always trying to position themselves as iPad competitors or worse, iPad killers. And it's, it's a very difficult market to compete in right now. When you use the word killer, you're defining a leader. You're defining an enemy. You're
0: giving them attention.
1: And I, I, and I think that the, the real key is that, I mean, no tech product is another tech product killer. You know, if if Ford releases a new car, it's not a Chevy killer. It's a competitor. And these folks can try to be competitors, but like we said, you know, they, they really have to try to define a niche that's not just we do everything like the iPad, but we do it differently. It's the, the biggest difference in my mind between the, the – Windows versus Mac Wars of, you know, the early 90s, is that Microsoft used to say, well, we have more software. They can't say that about the iPad. The iPad's not just the better experience. It's also the one with more apps. It's the one with more users. And it's it's both the popular and the, the most compelling platform. And it's, I mean, very, very difficult to unseat. How do you compete with
0: that? Let's go into some of the other subjects you've dealt with over at Macworld Magazine. And one of them relates to this face-off or... <laughs> This debate you had with Dan Morin, one of our other regular guests on the show. And it was all about the Apple Magic Mouse versus the Apple Magic Trackpad. Now, for those who are wondering about this, we have a lot of listeners here who are Windows users and kind of wonder what this Mac thing is all about. Now, we all have different types of input devices, but the Magic Trackpad and the Magic Mouse are sort of unique in their own way. Explain what they are. If you buy a new Mac, you get a magic mouse. And now I think they'll give you the option of a magic trackpad instead. That's What's right. the magic mouse? What makes it so magic?
1: Well, the magic mouse works you know, like a typical pointer mouse. It uses laser tracking technology and all the things that most modern mice use. Uh, but it's got a glass surface that supports some multi-touch gestures. That's where the magic comes in. So you can do one and two finger multi-touch gestures on the, the smooth surface on the top of this mouse. You can use one finger as a virtual scroll wheel anywhere on the mouse and start scrolling. You can use two fingers to swipe and make various actions happen on the Mac. You can do a, instead of a right click, you click both sides of the top of the mouse at the same time to simulate a right click. And it supports various gestures of that sort right on the surface of the mouse. So first you move the mouse around to move the pointer, and then you can accomplish these gestures on the mouse's surface.
0: Now, I've used the Magic Mouse. I've tried to become used to it. My problem is it's too low. I need something a little bit more elevated so I don't get a wrist ache. I use the Logitech MX Revolution, which has been out for several years. They have different members of the MX family. This is the one I got. And that is more sculpted to my fingers, my hands. Now, I realize everybody's got different fingers. Everybody's got different hands and, you know, skeletal structures. And that's why the mouse that's comfortable for me may be uncomfortable for you. So the Magic Mouse, first of all, it's flat and low. Right. You like that. No problem
1: with you. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, in the, in the debate that we're discussing here, I, I did not come out on the side of the Magic Mouse, but um, I mean, I, I think it feels pretty nice in my hand. My biggest complaint about it is that it's, it's too small for those multi-touch gestures. I think it's, it's okay as a mouse. In my, in my hand, it, it suits me fine, but the multi-touch gestures that are supposed to add all that magic to the device are, are far too limited and cramped on you know, what's a fairly narrow mouse surface. That takes us to the Magic Trackpad, which, in a sense, it's like taking the
0: trackpad on a Mac portable and making it a separate device.
1: Exactly right. And you know the the what's you know to me what's magic about the Magic Trackpad is that it supports all those multi touch gestures we just talked about with the Magic Mouse, but it also supports various three and four finger gestures, and even the, the one and two finger gestures are just easier on the, the much larger multi touch surface that's available.
0: I'll tell you what, I tried it for a while and I was thinking of another gesture. But this is a family radio show. Understood.
1: You know, I, 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 I can feel 100%. It's not for everybody. But, you know, I, I've looked at some of the developer previews that Apple's released of Lion. And, when you, and you know, the next iteration of the Mac OS. The stuff, if we reveal too much, they'll have to kill us. Exactly right. But I mean, the, the, the one thing that Apple has shown in some of its, you know, promotional materials about Lion, it's, it seems clear to me that the OS, the future of the OS is really in trying to embrace some of what makes, you know, multi-touch devices, whether it's the Magic Trackpad itself or, you know, more particularly the iPad and the iPhone, which makes those feel so much more intimate than a regular computing experience. To me, if I have the choice between surfing the web on my laptop and searching the web on the iPad... I'll use the iPad because that intimacy of really interacting with your content with your bare hands uh, adds something to the experience. And I think, you know, from what I have seen of Lion, a magic trackpad or some other multi-touch device is going to become really a, a key component of your experience with the OS. It's built for that kind of intimacy.
0: So they're struggling here to make it more integrated part of the Mac operating system. Now, the one thing about Lion is it grabs some features from the iOS. So if you've used an iPhone, if you've used an iPad, as they say in that commercial, you already know how to use it because some of that, some of the things you learned can be
1: transferred or migrated to a standard Mac. Exactly right. And I mean, we're never going to see, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're never going to see a multi-touch Mac. We're not going to see a touchscreen Mac because the ergonomics there get all wrong. But I think that this, you know, where Apple's going with the Magic Trackpad and with Lion is the closest that you'll, you'll think of merging those two things, that multi-touch element with a regular full-powered Mac.
0: Okay, that is one thing that we heard rumors about, that Apple had this patent on some kind of touchscreen that could be impressed upon an iMac, but that's nothing unusual, Touchscreen technology has been out for a while. So imagine taking a 27-inch iMac and tilting it. So instead of being vertical, it's horizontal. And then using it as a touchpad doesn't make sense. Exactly. Like a Microsoft
1: Surface. Does that make sense to anybody? No, <laughs> unless they work for Microsoft.
0: Where do they come up with such stupid, stupid <laughs> ideas over at Microsoft? That's another subject. I think it also hurts Microsoft. They want to be innovative. And they come up with ideas nobody cares about. That's right. So the surface, do you care about surfaces? Anybody in our audience? Now I know we're heard worldwide. We have a large listenership on the GCN network online from iTunes and everything else. I want to know, ladies and gentlemen, as you listen to the Tech Night Owl Live, has anyone out there used a Microsoft Surface? Have you ever considered buying one? Tell me, does it have a value?
1: Have you used one, Lex? I have never used one. I have watched a video of somebody using one once. And, you know, it's uh, – I think that the biggest – I mean, this is conjecture, obviously, on my part. But to me, the, the challenge that Microsoft has is that the areas in which it is dominant, whether it's, you know, the Windows operating system or whether it's, uh, you know, the Microsoft Office suite – it's 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 sort of like Apple's position with the iPad, right? They're they're so dominant in those two areas right now that they haven't uh, that Microsoft, unlike Apple, has really gotten very complacent. I'll tell Hasn't you what we'll get to More to
0: complacency and about the impact of Microsoft and how it could even impact Apple in the future. You never know. We have Lex Friedman from MacWorld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Nine Now live. Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app, You Gotta See This, by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash this. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com.
10: BANG! Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you, Hindi and Super Fem for summer toning. Buy glucosamine chondroitin 60 caps. Summer sale priced at only $12. Colon answer 250 caps. Summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
8: Fear of falling is the number one reason seniors leave the home they love. And millions of aging Americans can no longer enjoy the pleasure of a simple bath from fear of falling. Don't leave your home. There is a solution. The revolutionary, designed for seniors walk-in tub. Rediscover the soothing, luxurious pleasure of a comfortable and therapeutic bath by calling 877-513-3797. The Designed for Seniors walk-in tub has everything. A low step and walk-in door for easy access, built-in heating, easy-to-reach controls with both water and air jet therapy to soothe away aches and pains. All tubs are proudly made in the USA and come with a limited lifetime warranty. Enjoy a relaxing, safe, and comfortable bath again. Call 877-513-3797 and ask for the Designed for Seniors walk-in tub. That's 877-513-3797. The Design for Seniors walk-in tub for boomers and beyond.
5: Our big story. Food prices rise with gas prices. Economists expect food price hikes of 3 to 4% this year. From lettuce to tomatoes, virtually all fresh produce has doubled in price. In the past year, corn prices up 87%, soybeans up 41%, and wheat has climbed 54%. Demand for seed is extremely high. Stock up today while supplies last.
11: Yes, there is a threat of seed shortages due to climatic weather events. Be prepared. Save money. Eat healthy with seedsnow.com. For a limited time, SeedsNow.com is offering a survival garden seed vault stocked with over 60,000 high-quality heirloom seeds, over 50 popular varieties. All SeedsNow.com seeds are grown in the USA. 100% heirloom, 100% non-hybrid, 100% non-GMO. Order now at SeedsNow.com or by phone at 818-584-1488. That's 818-584-1488. Remember, SeedsNow.com. Your number one online source for quality garden seeds.
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to
9: happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Lex Friedman. Not Lex Luthor, Lex Friedman. And the reason I say that is because when you hear this show on a Saturday night, the final episode of Smallville will have aired. This is the one where Clark Kent, after 10 years, a man in his 30s, decides to become Superman and wears the iconic costume and they play the John Williams thing. So there you go. And they bring back Lex <laughs> Luthor. No he's not going to be played by Kevin Spacey or. <laughs> Anybody else who has played Lex Luthor? It's a guy named Michael Rosenbaum. Right. And he didn't shave his hair for this. He actually wore one of these skull caps, I hear. But who cares about that? Why are we talking about that, Lex? My name brings out the best in people. (laughs) Or something, but remember, the iconic villain in Superman, of course, is named Lex. Is that for Alexander?
1: Exactly right.
0: Okay. That's how it always stands.
1: I was named for an Alexander, but my parents just didn't like Alex, so I ended up as Lex from day one. Okay, and they don't say you look like Lex Luthor because you have hair. I do.
0: Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Let's move on to all the crazy discussions we've had. In the end, did you ever consider when you were doing this face-off between the Magic Mouse and the Magic Trackpad of adding a totally different designed input device as a kind of a backstop or comparison?
1: You know, Dan and I talked about it a little bit. Dan Morin, with whom I had this uh, debate. And the reason we didn't was this. When we initially pitched the the concept of the piece, which was the magic trackpad versus the magic mouse, we wanted to do a point-counterpoint. The problem we encountered was we both agreed. We both thought the trackpad was the much better option for people buying a new iMac today because it supports so many more gestures. Uh, so then we pulled the rest of the Macworld editorial staff. We said, is anybody willing to take up the rallying cry for the magic mouse and defend it against this onslaught attack from the magic trackpad? And nobody would step up. There was nobody willing to defend the poor, innocent magic mouse. So once we, Dan and I knew that we both agreed that the trackpad was the superior choice versus the mouse, we decided not to add in a third input device because it was just going to be one more thing for us to agree on, and that really made our point-counterpoint much more of a point-point. All right, maybe in the future, you know,
0: Get a survey of Macworld listeners, how many of you who use Macs in general find that the mouse is not comfortable? The Apple input device alternatives are not comfortable. And the same thing, I guess, we could be said about the Apple keyboard. They've taken the keyboards and they've made them feel very much like the MacBook Pro or the MacBook, like a Mac portable. So you could move back and forth between the two environments. The keyboard feel is about the same, and now with the Magic Trackpad, everything you do is the same. Isn't that part of what Apple's doing, though? The more integration across their devices, it makes it easier to go back and forth. I mean, now if you're using a standard notebook computer on a PC side where the keyboards are all over the place, and right. you have this keyboard on your desktop PC, there's always this period of getting used to one or the other. But if you make them as close as possible, you can jump back and forth without... Delaying without being unproductive,
1: and I, th- I think that's a big piece of it. Gene, I think it's you know about making it be you know a seamless transition as you go between devices. I also think it's. It's about fostering some sense of the familiar, not just because it's easy, but because it's, it's comfortable to, to be with something that feels the same. And I, I mean, I think the biggest piece is that we are talking about Apple. The, the evolution that they've had of keyboards and of mice and uh, the whole experience, they continue to think that whatever they've happened upon is the best way to do it. So it's not surprising to me that they try to make all of their keyboards feel like they're MacBook keyboards because I think they feel like they've come up with the best keyboard feel. Except, of course, for the hockey puck mouse that first debuted in the original
0: iMac. Indeed. It was a circular mouse. Now, think about this. Take your standard computer mouse and now make it into a circle. And now when you use it, you kind of have to play with it to think which side is the top, which side is the bottom. Oh, we've got the wire on the top. Who came up with that crazy idea?
1: You know, it's, I think, a rare but very valid example of Apple valuing form over function. And I think it was clearly a misstep. And they i mean—they eventually did correct it. And they also opened up a nice third-party market for people that made various plasticky add-ons you could tack on to your hockey puck mouse to make it more of a regular oblong shape. But I agree with you. That I mean, that mouse was awful. I had one, and I hated it.
0: Now, that's an interesting point of view here with Apple products, as we discussed them over the years. Since Steve Jobs came back aboard, you know, the pre-Jobs era, the original Jobs era, the new Jobs era... They've cleaned up a lot of things. They've had fewer misfires. The cube. Now, think about the cube, okay? Fancy plastics, curves, sides, and all this stuff. Very difficult to mold. Total failure.
1: Yeah. And, I I mean, part of that, I think, is... It's another, you know, a very valid example. And I think part of it's got to just be... Steve Jobs, whether you want to call it hubris or something else, but you know they had the the cube that Apple released was based on the next cube that Steve Jobs had built at Next Computer, the company that Apple acquired when Steve came back and became the CEO again. And it's you know it was, I mean Apple clearly cares a whole lot about aesthetics. And what I was mentioning before, valuing form over function, I think that generally speaking, the company tries to value them equally, puts them both on pedestals. They want their stuff to look beautiful and to be wonderful to use. And I mean, my father owned a Next. I'm sorry. My father owned a cube for, for years, and uh, he's really not that tech savvy, so all the setup and stuff was, was my job. And any time you wanted to add a peripheral, you had to tilt the whole thing up, and then you inevitably accidentally brushed the power button. And it was, I mean, it was awful. And it developed cracks in the case, and it, didn't, it, I mean, it really was you know, a, a tragic misfiring for Apple again. But I think that the, the fact that you can count Apple's misfires on one hand, and then you need you know, as many appendages as you can find to list out their successes speaks to their overall batting average.
0: You know, it's interesting. I can tell a story about that. In 2001, spring of 2001, Apple has a press session over at their corporate headquarters in Cupertino, California, to roll out Mac OS X, the official 1.0 release of Mac OS X. Okay? So I attended the session, and after the presentation was over, the key Apple executives, Avi Tavenian, was the... Father of Mac OS X, no longer with Apple, Philip Schiller, the vice president for marketing, still there. Steve Jobs sitting there, the press asking questions. And one says, Are you going to discontinue the cube? And Steve Jobs says, You don't know what you're talking about. Now, within a couple of months, they discontinued the cube. So you kind of think that, yeah, they produced the cube because Steve Jobs wanted it to be produced. He was in love with the concept, but eventually being a smart businessman, he was convinced that this wasn't a good idea. It wasn't selling enough copies. they had to stop it. But I think very, very reluctantly.
1: No, I, I mean, I think that you're right on. It's he's he's certainly two things, you know. He's Steve Jobs is a, a very very smart businessman in terms of doing that stuff, but he's, he's <laughs> I mean, his passions are his passions, and I think, I think it's John Gruber who once wrote on Daring Fireball that the, the best Apple products, whether it's software or hardware, are clearly the ones that Steve Jobs uses each day, and um, you know, since I think the point was that since Steve Jobs probably doesn't set his own calendar, he's got somebody who does that for him. That's why iCal has lagged behind some of Apple's other apps in terms of its effectiveness and overall usability. But, I mean, it's it's interesting when he has to let go of something that he loves, like the Cube. You can always tell, I mean, just based on that quote that you cited there alone, that it's it's not without some pain for him.
0: Well, unfortunately, that doesn't help always in the bottom line, but some of his indulgences pay off, you know. Supposedly, when they were working on the a tablet computer that ultimately became the iPad, someone came over to Steve Jobs with the idea of making a smartphone out of this. So the iPhone project came out of the tablet project. But not everything comes within Apple. We all recall that the iPod, for example, a third-party company developed this concept for what became the iPod and the guy shopped it around. Nobody would listen. Steve Jobs said, yeah, let's try that. There you go. The turnaround for Apple where Apple became a totally different company after the iPod came out.
1: Yep. And I mean, I, I, I don't have evidence to support it, but I, I, I'd i like to think <laughs> that, you know, Apple taking time to, to indulge itself in some of these whims, like building something like the Cube, uh, have to help in some ways. You know, figuring out how to fit all those important components into a device leads eventually to you know, the all-in-one iMac or leads into you know, the, the, you know, the iMac that's, uh, that used to be my main computer up until just a year or two ago that looks like nothing more than a monitor. Like, t- taking the time to figure out how to mass produce and, and successfully cool and all those things, all the appropriate hardware inside very small areas, I think, has clearly served the company well as their form factors on their computers have gotten slimmer and slimmer.
0: Very complicated kinds of engineering here. You think about all the fancy plastics and glasses and aluminum and everything, and nobody else in the industry is doing that kind of thing, trying to develop newer ways of building something to make them more efficient, to make the parts smaller. Why not?
1: I I think that this is one case where, probably out of necessity, the markets decided or recognized that it can't compete with apple on some levels on some levels they just have to say you know apple's got the engineering smarts and has the team involved to do this to get all the you know to get all the the components set at the right prices and to get everything made to order and to, to pull it off and i think it's sometimes i think the competitors are smart and saying we're not going to compete on the macbook air's thinness it's just it's an impossible task for us to achieve tell you what we got more to talk about
0: with lex friedman from mac world magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night outline
4: Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We're back. One more session with Lex Friedman from Macworld Magazine. And he is a more recent person over the publication, but this is not the last time he's going to be on the Tech Night Owl Live. I'm Gene Steinberg, Been exploring all sorts of stuff about Apple and Microsoft and Skype and all that stuff. With the iPhone, have you had a chance since the
1: Verizon version of the iPhone came out to try it when I started at Macworld I had to get a new iPhone uh, send my old one back to my old job and so I was faced with a decision do I go with a new AT&T iPhone or do I switch to a Verizon iPhone I was under no contract I I was free to make a decision and I I have friends with a Verizon iPhone so I was really able to debate pretty informally since I had had so much, you know, years of experience with an AT&T one. I ended up sticking with an AT&T iPhone, but the, I mean, there's certainly plenty compelling about the Verizon edition. Is it the multitasking, the ability to
0: have voice and data at the same time that made you make that decision? How is in your
1: area reception with AT&T? Where I live in New Jersey, my reception is excellent. And that was the deciding factor Verizon service is excellent here as well. But AT&T's connection here where I live is you know, pretty reliable, my calls go through, and the the network transfer speeds are faster than Verizons. So even more important to me than the multitasking, because really most of the time when I'm on a call, I don't need the data, and vice versa. The most important thing to me was download speed. I remember the the painful weights when I tried to use a BlackBerry years ago loading a web page and it, it really made the web experience unusable. And I just I feel like once you have a certain level of internet speed, you, it's very hard to regress on the bandwidth scale. You, you, nobody's going to go back to dial-up if they have experienced anything better than dial-up.
0: Well, the other issue, of course, is if you can't get a good, reliable connection with AT&T, it doesn't matter. Now, we have this, of course, congressional hearings that they're having with AT&T and T-Mobile about the merger. And the issues, of course, are AT&T's pathetic performance record in places like New York or San Francisco. Now, I got a letter from AT&T just a few days ago saying they're adding 100 new cell towers in and around the Phoenix area. Now, I got pretty decent reception with AT&T, an occasional dropped call, but it looks like they're not just standing still waiting for this merger to happen. They're still trying to invest in building out their networks. They have no choice. There's heavy competition now. They're not the only
1: provider of the iPhones. You know, my wife happens to use... I'm assuming that nobody from Apple who will get angry at me is going to listen right now. And if they are, then I'm lying. Well, but they do wife, listen, but that's... I, as long, I'm just goes. saying as long as they don't get angry. But my um, my wife uses a, a, an iPhone with T-Mobile. And that for her has been a, a, no problem at all. You know, obviously we had to do a little bit of trickery to get the iPhone to work. But the T-Mobile network has been great with her iPhone. Her calls go through. And I remember that some folks were, were saying that... Um, AT&T's iPhone woes were actually not AT&T's fault but rather Apple's but we've clearly seen that's not the case with happy satisfied calls going through for for, uh, Verizon customers and then you know with the much smaller population of folks who are using T-Mobile edition you know who are managing to use their iPhones on T-Mobile's network I agree with you I should point out before we go on the 3G
0: frequencies used by T-Mobile are somewhat different than AT&T's so for network performance you're getting less to use the network so how do you cope with that? I'm sorry, I missed the question. Okay, so you're getting slower network speeds. Your wife is using a tricked-out iPhone on eight, on the T-Mobile network and taking advantage of a lower price, of
1: course. When it comes to data speeds, it got to be slower. You're getting 2G instead of 3G. You're right. And I mean, I, I think in, 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 for her, it's, it works out fine because she's not a real data hound. You know, it's, I, she's not a super tech-savvy person. And the, the thing she's doing most of the time is commenting on stuff or sending pictures to Facebook. So she's out with our kids and they're at the park and she'll snap a photo and send that to Facebook. And so the data speeds for her aren't really an issue. For me, you know, I'm checking in on, I'm downloading updates to 300-something to RSS feeds or I'm even sometimes submitting articles remotely into Macworld CMS. And there's, I, I feel like I have enough data needs that since AT&T service where I live is acceptable, I was able to do it. Now I used to live in California. When I li- whenever I had to go back to Los Angeles, the AT&T service there was terrible. And if I had the ability to switch to Verizon at that time, I would have done it in an instant. I know that one of our regular guests, Daniel
0: Aaron of Roughly Drafted Magazine, he works over at AppleInsider.com as a regular contributor there too. He had one of the early iPhones. Has updated it whenever they'd let him to at AT&T, but he said I use it for data. I could hardly ever make phone calls, especially from my apartment. Meanwhile, he's got a Verizon iPhone, but now he can't stand the slower network speeds, even though he
1: can call people. Right. <laughs> I mean, my hope is that uh, – or really, my, I should say my expectation is that a decade from now, these problems will be you know, a, a distant, amusing memory, just like when you used to have to wait for interlaced GIFs to load slowly over your painful dial-up connection. You know, this is a problem that seems like it, it it can be solved somehow, and I agree with you. You know, AT T wanting to spend so many billions to purchase T Mobile versus investing in its own network is an interesting choice. But if the if the upshot is that eventually it will result in an overall upgraded network, then I'm I'm very intrigued. Okay, so you have the problem
0: here where okay, if the merger goes through with AT and T and T Mobile, and then you have AT and T and then you have Verizon wireless owning 80% of the market where is the incentive to cut
1: prices it's not there anymore sprint You're right. sprint's going to be you know a non issue and it's not just about cutting prices it's also about you know the the quality and speed of the network it's the same problem that i see you know with the local television cable companies around the country where they don't have to compete on price when they're so monopolistic and it's i mean to well, you a degree, can get satellite tv
0: Right. Place in most places, unless you live in an apartment complex where they won't allow that. But technically, I think that's illegal. I think even if, if you live in an apartment, if you have like a window that faces south or southeast, they, f- in theory, have to allow you to have satellite TV if you prefer not to have the cable
1: and and i i mean i think that's good and you know i've relied on satellite tv in the past but you know for me for example i want to see local sports games from philadelphia whose channels i get, i get here through the cable company it's a problem that clearly is is making it problematic for people who want to get the best possible cable service let's say unless they're happy with the satellite offering and i think you're absolutely right it could be a problem with cell phone providers and i think the 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 reason that i always have such high hope for whether it's new tablets from competitors like, you know, the Rim Playbook or if it's Android, I I root for these things because I don't want Apple to get into a position where it's so dominant that it feels like it doesn't have to keep innovating and competing. So it's so unfortunate, though, Lex, that, yes, it would be nice to see
0: a better tablet from somebody else, but it doesn't arrive. They try to take the iPad's features, they look at the iPad and they try to imitate it,
1: not make it better. Right. And I mean, I think there, you know, there are occasional, my, I have friends with Android devices, Android phones, especially, and I don't envy their phones at all. I'm quite content with my iPhone 4. Uh, but you know that you see something where push alerts, for example, are handled so much better on that side of the fence. And clearly it's got to be an area Apple's planning to address in iOS five. Uh, if they're not, I'm just going to start banging my head against every available surface. I mean, there are places that force Apple's hand a little bit. I think, you know, if, if, if just the fact that Android's push notifications are superior to the iPhone OS's will motivate Apple to finally do something about it in its fifth edition of the operating system, I think that's a victory.
0: When's your expectation that we'll see the iPhone 5? September? That's what they're saying now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't doubt that September date. I I think for sure Apple's going to want to do something this year. It doesn't surprise me they're not doing a traditional June time frame. the, The theory is they're not going to do it around June since they just launched the phone on Verizon and they just launched the white iPhone. Uh, So it's not surprising me they're trying to put a little space before the new one comes out. But my expectation, and I'm happy to be proven wrong several months from now, but my expectation is this is going to be more like the 3G to 3GS upgrade, which was a substantial upgrade in terms of performance and um, uh, overall feature set of the phone hardware, like the camera was markedly better. Uh, and you could start shooting video. But I don't think it's going to be as nearly as dramatic as the 3GS to 4, where the full form factor changed and you know uh, the retina display was launched. I think we're going to see you know, uh, uh, the four, iPhone 4S, if you will, as the next edition. Maybe, of course, with a different antenna system.
0: That still has to kind of hurt because Consumer Reports is still raving. I think Consumer Reports is all wrong. I think a lot of what they do is wrong when it comes to reviewing technology products. Agreed. But still that has to hurt
1: I, I think it would hurt Apple more if they weren't selling millions and millions of these devices with or without Consumer Reports' endorsement. And I think that it's, I mean, I think it's a little bit, I mean, it's its not a, at all the same situation, but you're going to see a little bit of the Cube-style hubris, I expect. They're not going to change the antenna so dramatically because they don't want everybody to say, ha, we told you so, see how Apple changed it. I think they're going to say that they can comfortably stand by it. the same way they did when they launched the phone on Verizon and when they launched the white one. They had plenty of time if they wanted to make the white iPhone use a different antenna and they didn't take that step. They can make subtle changes, maybe we don't know. Where do we find more of the stuff that Lex Friedman writes about? Uh, The two places to look for me right now are macworld.com and then my own site, blog.lexfriedman.com There you go.
0: Lex Friedman, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Now Live. Thank you. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com.
2: Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler Reusable Canning Lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler Reusable Canning Lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler Lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler Lids are dishwasher-safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning. Eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard Mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1 877 747 2793. 877 747 2793. Call 877 747 2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
3: Good day. Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, May thirteenth, two 2011. Gold opened this morning at $1,511. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for $1549.36, $774.69 for a half ounce, or $387.35 for a quarter ounce. That's $1549.36, dollars and $387.35.
4: The constitution and the bill of rights have been reduced to old relics. Politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish overreaching policies. Your support for the campaign for liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I have teamed up with the campaign for liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter ounce pure gold coin for only $440 plus shipping. Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government call 800-686-2237 that's 800-686-2237
10: ready to save then you're ready for the super summer sale at herbal healer academy herbal healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years log on to herbalhealer.com and take advantage of herbal healer academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbe and Super Femplex Plex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon Enhancer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night All Live, just send it to news at com. That's news at com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes.
0: We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, and we're going to explore, of course, the Skype and Microsoft tie-up. And you were telling us before we got started that we're having this conversation on Skype using
13: a Microsoft product. Speak- yes. So what are you talking about here? The uh, One of the big uh, news items uh, um, to to come out in, in the past uh uh, past week or so, is uh, the Microsoft acquisition of Skype for $8.5 billion. Uh, Skype had been on its way to an initial public offering, uh, and Microsoft made an unsolicited bid to acquire the company, uh, which it uh, ultimately accepted. So Skype will become a division of Microsoft.
0: Now, there were rumors before this that Facebook and perhaps Google were looking to acquire
13: Skype. Uh, yes, there were rumors. I don't think we've um, heard any commentary from Facebook. Uh, Skype had been working with Facebook. Uh, they had begun to do some integration Uh, on Facebook. And actually, Microsoft, of course, uh, has a uh, relationship with Facebook as well. So uh, among those uh, three companies, this will probably serve to tighten uh, those ties. Google, uh, after the acquisition uh, was announced, we saw stories that Google uh, had not been uh, interested in acquiring Skype due in part to its uh, reach with the Google Voice uh, and Gmail uh, products. Clearly, what all three parties would have been interested in Skype for is its huge, massive uh, user base, uh, 170 million uh, active users who, that spend, according to Skype, uh, over 100 uh, minutes a month on the service on average.
0: Of course, the big thing, and I was discussing this with Lex Friedman over at Macworld Magazine in our previous segment, the question is here, $8.5 is a lot of money, Certainly, if a company acquires someone else and it's not a competitor, in this case, it's to gain technology, they have to be able to justify that investment, can they?
13: Uh, it's technology, but but it's also a user base um, and, and a gateway into business relationships with lots of other companies that uh, Microsoft – may not uh, necessarily be very active with today. So, for example, uh, Skype is used by Panasonic and Samsung uh, as their video conferencing products for their connected televisions. Um, It has a presence on Android mobile phones, on iPhones, of course. Uh, Increasingly, I'm sure we'll see it on on tablets, um, uh, in in addition to PCs, and the whole story, uh, really the key uh, for Microsoft uh, in this acquisition uh, was the mobile platform, uh, and um, Microsoft uh has had a an instant messaging and chat and video chat application on the market for many many years uh called um well presently called Windows Live Messenger it's messenger
0: uh, with a prefix changing every few years yes that's right <laughs>
13: uh but uh
0: uh, called Prefix Messenger because pre- we don't prefix. know when they rebranded again. So now it's going to be <laughs> Skype Messenger
13: or what? Uh, I don't think they've released a lot of details on how those two programs will come together, but uh, I think it's safe to assume that at the very least uh, there will be interoperability between the two of them at some point if, if they're not completely combined, which, uh, which I wouldn't be surprised to see.
0: Now, the other thing is Steve Ballmer from Microsoft was asked, will you continue to support other platforms? Yes. So, for example, iOS, Android, Linux, the Mac, he says yes. Yep. If they want to get their technology everywhere, they can't renege on that promise, can they?
13: Well, exactly. I mean, that, that's the nature of Skype. That's always been the central promise of, of the program, uh, particularly because uh, it had not been interoperable with other voice, uh, Internet voice protocols. You had to have the client uh, in order to participate uh, on a call or on a video call. Uh, and so for Microsoft, you know, if, if Microsoft wanted to maintain uh, a product that was primarily strong- on windows it had one that's exactly what windows live messenger was so uh really skype is uh has far more of a multi-platform base so in that sense
0: microsoft is perhaps gaining something also because skype is using a peer-to-peer network which means that your local network where you host the call or the communication that's where the bandwidth is being used now with traditional instant messaging software do they use peer-to-peer technology, or does Microsoft have to host everything on their servers?
13: Well, you know, one one of the issues that came out, uh, again, uh, after the announcement was announced, was that Google thought that, that peer-to-peer was not a particularly effective way to go. You know, it's a cloud-based approach where they were hosting uh, more of the communication functionality was a, a better way to go. Uh, well, we certainly it would seen- be more reliable, wouldn't it? Because if you have a problem with your Internet connection and you want to talk to two or three people on Skype, suddenly you're in trouble. Uh, It could be. I mean, we we have seen other companies switch over, and we've seen many changes in in the price of of bandwidth, um, You know, dramatic reductions in the price of bandwidth uh, in in the past few years. So you may remember a few years ago, a company called uh, Voodoo was uh, caching movies uh, to its boxes using peer-to-peer Technology, so your your little uh, movie box also acted as as part of a server network for uh, for other boxes, and ultimately so you 're
0: feeding bandwidth to everybody else at least with Skype. the only time you 're actually contributing bandwidth is when you 're actually making a
13: connection uh, I, I believe that 's the case, yes, and then ultimately they, they decided to abandon. Uh, Voodoo decided to abandon that approach because it just became uh, cheaper and more effective to, uh, to have it uh, hosted. But you think
0: if Skype has, what, 20 million people connected at any one time, the bandwidth they
13: use is huge? Well, they, they've certainly been able to, to scale up to this point.
0: Yeah, because they're still using your bandwidth. <laughs> right. So that's part of it. Okay, now I gather there is a lot of skepticism about this alignment. People feeling that, yeah, it could possibly work out, but that Microsoft spent an awful lot of money, a lot more than they could have spent just building out the
13: technology themselves. Uh, you know there's there's something to that you know while uh you could go on and on uh listing the points of synergy uh for uh, for Microsoft and Skype and you know how it enables them to address a wide range of uh, markets and how it it fits very nicely uh into their product portfolio at uh, uh in 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 quite a few different ways in many different uh uh markets in in the home as i mentioned on the pc on mobile platforms on connected televisions uh etc uh they you know they did have a pretty significant user base with windows live messenger and and they could have you know when they talk about doing things like um uh collaborating on a microsoft office document and being able to switch into uh uh an audio or video conference uh, you know they, they could have built a lot of that technology with um, uh, with windows live messenger i 'll tell you what we 'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Ross
0: Rubin of the NPD group. The first topic on the plate is the announced merger between Microsoft and Skype for eight and a half billion dollars that 's not some change folks i 'm gene Steinberg you're in the Tech Night out Live. <laughs>
5: Big Berkey Water Filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey Water Filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combined Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B E R K E Y Filters dot com or call That's 99 Berkey. That's dot com or call eight seven seven ninety nine E R K E Y today.
2: If you suffer from poor sleep, you need My Pillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, My Pillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. My Pillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. My Pillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable my pillow is made in the usa has an a rating with the better business bureau comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty order today at mypillow.com or call 952-442-6199 that's 952-442-6199 mention coupon code gcn and receive 20 percent off your order what do you have to lose except poor sleep mypillow.com the most comfortable pillow you will ever own guaranteed
14: If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system for fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning. Use liquid zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl. Yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid zeolite comes with a money back guarantee, but is only available at Restore Your RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite.
6: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. What's going to happen next?
9: You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: We return with Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, and we're talking about the merger, the impending merger between Microsoft and Skype. I'm Gene Steinberg. you on the Tech Night Out Live. Now, one of the things obvious, Ross, here is that this is not something that would really create regulatory problems, is it?
13: Uh, no. And in fact, coincidentally enough, just um, a day or two after the acquisition was announced, uh, Microsoft's uh, oversight... Uh, by the DOJ, uh, came came to an end. So it's let's go back to history,
0: folks. A lesson of history: the Department of Justice goes after Microsoft. Did that
13: change anything? What was accomplished? (laughs) Probably very little by by the DOJ oversight. Um, I mean, the market changed significantly in those years, Uh, and uh, you know we're seeing many many different parts of the technology now uh, of the technology market now where. Microsoft finds itself to be a, a challenger uh, and, and not the incumbent. so um, I don't think that you know anything they could have done would, uh, to address those markets would have been limited uh, by the DOJ but uh, it's, it's likely liberating in, in some respect.
0: Certainly, it seems as if the European Union was a greater threat to Microsoft, fining them and all this other stuff.
13: Yes, and, and it was really the European Union action that uh, led to uh, the versions of Windows that did not include the browser, uh, one of the more contentious um, points of debate uh, in, in some of the, the DOJ investigations. But isn't it
0: interesting to see that despite that, the fact that that change in Windows is only applying to Europe, you're still seeing growth on all the other browsers. People are still not really
13: picking up the Microsoft browser like they used to. Uh, well, we were certainly seeing other browsers gain share, and uh, you know the other one. One of the other areas where we've seen a lot, uh, a lot announced in uh, in the past uh, week has been the the advancement of Google Chrome, uh, which uh, seems to be one of the fastest growing uh, browsers uh, in the market, and it's one that Google is, is rapidly iterating on on six week cycles, and has even um, come out with a whole operating system based on it. It's uh, you know it's it, it's a browser that has uh, uh, has a case of megalomania uh, because it, it now wants to be a, an entire operating system.
0: Speaking of which we have the Google Chrome operating system. I gather that some people are already getting notebook computers to
13: test it, but it's not very finished yet, is it? you know I've, I've had a chance to have some hands-on time with it. And uh, it, it's pretty stable. Um, again, this isn't an environment where you're you're loading on lots of different applications, and there's an opportunity for lots of crashes. All, almost all of the applications live uh, on a website. The the applications are really websites. So if they crash, you know, there's there's really very little they can do. I mean, maybe you close a tab uh, as you would on a browser, but uh, so basically, uh, bo- fundamentally, this operating
0: system. Is a browser?
13: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's uh, it's a browser built on a small, efficient core, and you don't install any software on it. You access any functionality you need via the web. But can it work? Uh, it, it it can certainly work technically. <laughs> uh, the question is, does it? Is there a broad enough range of? of uh of tasks that that one can do via the web uh where it becomes a viable option to uh a standard mac or, or pc and probably for most consumers at this point uh, the answer is no but uh there's uh you know there is something to be said for the approach uh it's fast it uh uh, it's it's uh, it's quite stable. There aren't there isn't this constant update cycle, and uh, and and there's a very good security story uh, and a very good um, uh, data loss uh, story for corporate environments, where if I lose the Chrome. Uh, a Chromebook, as they're calling it, uh, there is no data stored on the device. It's it's all stored on the various websites. So, you know, I could just pick up another one, uh, log into my Google account, and you know everything comes back down to to the device.
0: Well, there's one way. I mean, that's an advantage if we depend on the cloud, and that's a big argument right now. The cloud. Uh, yes. What are the downsides? The fact that if the servers go down, and they have, they have at Amazon recently, they have at Sony, their cloud PlayStation service went down, was yes. hacked and everything. How can we depend on the cloud to store all our data and that local storage?
13: I mean, the the question is, you're, you're, the issue is, yes, you're going to have services go down in the cloud and you're going to have applications crash uh, on a PC, um, but... Uh, while you may be without certain functionality in both cases, um, in, in most cases, the information that's in the cloud will be professionally managed, uh, backed up, uh, stored uh, off site, so there's a disaster recovery plan. I mean, uh, you know, the, in terms of the PlayStation Network, crash while maybe taking them longer to get the service back up than they would like uh, they can get the service back up Uh, if your hard drive crashes uh, and there's a mechanical problem not a lot of consumers uh, have gone to the trouble of providing a reliable uh, backup but at least you have the option of having the local storage if you had both that would be the
0: best of all worlds right
13: there is that argument, but there's also the argument that a local backup is uh is well it it can be redundant. I guess it depends on how much data we're talking about. You know, the cloud is still not a great solution for storing gigabytes and gigabytes of photos. It's very difficult to make that uh that business case work, uh make the economics of that work. Uh it's also um Historically, been tough to store you know an entire music library up there, although another announcement that uh, Google recently made at its i/O conference was this Google Music service, uh, which will allow uh, consumers to store, uh, I believe they said uh, 20,000 songs um, on their servers for free, uh, at least for the duration of the beta period. Then you pay for it, I presume. Now, Apple
0: built this huge server farm in North Carolina. Yes. So, do we
13: think Apple's now going to consider a similar move? Uh, it, it could well be. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, they acquired a company called Lala, uh, which, which is uh, now in Lala Land, by the way. <laughs> yes, I suppose. Um, and uh, that was essentially what the company was doing. Um, they were uh, allowing you to. Uh, up, upload your music. Actually, you didn't even have to upload it. All you had to do was they would scan. And there's some question over whether <laughs> they had permission to do this uh, from the labels, but uh, and and there, there's also the open question of is, is this the functionality that? Google wanted in Google Music and could not deliver, but, but basically what Lala did was it would scan your hard drive, uh, with your permission, of course. Uh, it would find out the names of the tracks, um, uh, on your hard drive in your iTunes library. And without having to upload those tracks, it would just populate your account with those songs. Kind of uh, like a Pandora almost. Uh, I, I suppose, yes, uh, except that you had the choice to play what you
0: want. And so the argument here is if you have a license to use that music, it doesn't matter where the physical file is. But of course, the music companies, you know, are fighting this tooth and nail, aren't they?
13: Uh, well, they have a long history of fighting it. Um, they. Um uh, you know, th- this kind of service was first, um, at least to my knowledge, first tried by a company called mp3.com, uh, back in the 90s, and, and they fought that, uh, in court and won, uh, and that was, you know, the end of that service. So, uh, you know, maybe Lala got out, uh, and was acquired before history could repeat itself. Uh, but what, um, you know, what, what labels are really interested in, uh, is, is a path to payment, um, you know, right? But if you buy the license, if you buy the license,
0: you own the license to that song. It's like software. Yes. Why restrict your ability to have the thing stored in the cloud rather than on your local system? Because you can do that now. You can buy a <coughs> number of different cloud-based backup systems where you can send your files, as I do. Right. I have right. cloud-based well, backup, and it's the same songs I paid for. Yes. So what's the difference? We have well, Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, and he's going to answer this critical question <laughs> and lots more. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
15: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space,
14: the american people think they live in a constitutional republic land of the free home of the brave right just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad irs Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, 1-877-450. Seven nine zero zero nine. That's eight seven seven four five seven nine double nine. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com. Remember, escape harassment works.
5: Will I have garlic breath after I take LEC?
16: We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali-C. And the answer is, Ali-C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali-C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali-C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against as MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Allie C. For more information and to order Allie C, call 877-888-7126 or go to GarlicHealthProducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or GarlicHealthProducts.com. Fight back with Allie C. Our big story.
5: Food prices rise with gas prices. Economists expect food price hikes of 3 to 4% this year. From lettuce to tomatoes, virtually all fresh produce has doubled in price. In the past year, corn prices up 87%, soybeans up 41%, and wheat has climbed 54%. Demand for seed is extremely high. Stock up today while supplies last.
11: Yes, there is a threat of seed shortages due to climatic weather events. Be prepared. Save money. Eat healthy with SeedsNow.com. For a limited time, SeedsNow.com is offering a survival garden seed vault stocked with over 60,000 high-quality heirloom seeds, over 50 popular varieties. All SeedsNow.com seeds are grown in the USA, 100% heirloom, 100% non-hybrid, 100% non-GMO. Order now at SeedsNow.com or by phone at 818-584-1488. That's 818-584-1488. Remember, SeedsNow.com. Your number one online source for quality garden seeds.
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene
9: Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, who knows it all, or at least that which relates to his particular area of expertise and in industry analysis. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So that is the big question here. I can back up to the cloud personally, get a mozi get CrashPlan, Carbonite, right. any one of these plans, Thank great you. products, back up my data to the cloud. I know if there's a problem, I could retrieve it. But if you subscribe to one of these services where you don't actually have to back it up, you just use their copy, because it's the same copy in theory that you already loan a license for. The music companies have to be <laughs> convinced this is the right thing. It's kind of like as a corollary, some of the cable TV companies have said, you know what, we send out all these set-top boxes, and all these set-top boxes have hard drives on them, yes. because you want to store your content right. locally, your DVR to play in the DVRs. Back.
13: DBRs, right.
0: right, but wouldn't it be simpler more convenient rather than worry about mechanical failure at your end we have it at our head end we have all that stuff stored anyway right and what you have is the license because you subscribe to these stations and programs to use us you schedule your playback of
13: for for example castle the abc show why Why do you have to have it it locally Why, why should you have to think ahead to schedule it why Why shouldn't I just be able to watch it when I want to watch it? Okay, well, so that's the point. Yeah. If
0: you're already paying the license, it's like a license to watch that channel. Why should they care? They're getting the same money anyway, aren't they?
13: Yeah, yes. Well, um, we've, we've touched upon a lot of issues. Um, so, so a couple of things. Um, I, I think that your comparison with the remote dvr issue is, is a good one you know if it's a physical file well you know first of all uh those dvrs in your homes they are locked down uh you know uh, pretty much uh, particularly the ones from the cable companies it's uh i mean you can add more storage but that's about it uh oh we with, understand with little- that but i'm
0: saying it's a mechanical product I can fail. But if I just wanted to get what's already on the head end of the cable company, it's not changing my ability to watch that show or schedule or
13: anything. So that, you know, as I'm sure you know, Cablevision uh, uh, developed such a service uh, and broadcasters sued uh, to prevent it. And I think Cablevision ultimately prevailed, and now Cablevision and other cable companies uh, are looking to roll out uh, that kind of service. Uh, you know, I, I think part of it is what do the original rights uh, and payment schemes um, uh, entail, and and it's a very complex uh, set of issues because. Uh, uh you know the the broadcasters uh, and and the artists representatives and the legal representation ju- just want to make sure that um, people are compensated for transactions you know um so uh until uh, they can be satisfied that th- this is uh th- this is this is going to to be the optimal way for for them to get uh paid then we're we're we are we are you know, going to continue to see these kinds of fights.
0: Well, I have to think they have to use logic, you know, logic in reason because it has to prevail. It doesn't always in politics no. nor in the entertainment industry, it has to prevail. So, so do we think Apple, but where I guess we're taking it to the next step is where does Apple want to take their particular service? They have the Apple TV, for example. Do they want to replace the set-top box in your living room to be? A second device, where do they want to go?
13: Well, you know, uh, one, I mean, we've seen a couple of issues surface in the past few years. Uh, You know, consumers are acquiring more and more media. Uh, It's getting, you know, despite uh, very fast... uh, 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 Input-output buses such as Thunderbolt, you know, that's on very few products today. It can take a long time to back up uh, and restore an iPad and and load your music onto it. Um, Consumers want access to their music from multiple locations. So, uh, you know, while we saw a lot uh, of attention focused on Google Music, Google Music itself uh, came after the Amazon announcement of a cloud music service. And, and Amazon's model is is uh, more similar to Apple's than, than say, a Rhapsody, uh, which is that you buy the song and you have a file, and they're just offering to keep it on a server where you can access it. One question yep. I have about all this, which is if all your
0: stuff is in the, the cloud, there's yes. no local storage yeah. – You still need a lot of bandwidth to bring it down, especially if you're dealing with something like movie content. I understand music, maybe the
13: bandwidth requirements aren't severe, but if you have an internet interruption, suddenly you lose your music. Well, look at Netflix. You know, I mean, you just just described the Netflix model or Apple they, TV, as a matter of fact, do. You know, those are all streaming architectures now. You know, their quality may not be as good as, as Blu-ray, uh, but, um, you know, they're they're good enough for for a lot of consumers. Uh, tens of million, you know, millions and millions of consumers are are. Are doing this and uh, it does create strain on the network. Video takes up a lot of bandwidth and uh, it's at, uh, it's one of the issues at heart uh, at the heart of these uh, net neutrality debates about you know whether cable companies should just have to sit there and let Netflix do what it wants. Sure, but the other thing is too if you're a subscriber to a cable
0: company and you're getting their internet, yes. And they can theoretically and they do put bandwidth limitations. If you take too much bandwidth you pay more money. So they're getting the money anyway. If you want to consume high definition movies day and night and you're exceeding whatever limits they have in bandwidth, well they say, you know what, you're consuming so much, go to Tier thirteen. And tier thirteen's another fifty dollars a month, but you have higher limits. So yeah. that's where you get your income.
13: Well and I don't think we've seen a lot of that at this point. I mean, you know, we've heard a lot about caps uh, I don't think we've heard a lot about upselling. You know, it, it's not like it is in the wireless market today where... You mean you, know, you don't
0: so want 50 megabytes per second or 50 megabits well, that's, per that's second instead There's, of 20? That's,
13: that's faster, you know, not, not right. the amount.
0: but at some point in time, if the bandwidth requirements exceed the cost of providing the service, any profit-making corporation is going to say, hey, we need to charge more for bandwidth. Like we see bandwidth caps right now on wireless data. The cable companies shouldn't certainly do that. Nothing stops them from putting a bandwidth cap rather than going to Google or going to another company and saying, okay, you pay us at your end if you're going to
13: bring us more bandwidth. Let the customer pay
0: for it. That's what they
13: want. Um, Let them pay for what they want. I I think there's a few issues there. One is that, Uh, The cable companies have a harder time making that argument because, uh, you know, even though bandwidth is a finite resource, landline bandwidth is is not nearly as scarce as wireless bandwidth. So, you know, uh, through all the minute plans that we have uh, been weaned on in in the era of – in the early days of cellular with voice, uh, the American consumers have been taught that, hey, you know, wireless is is a very uh, scarce – act. a resource uh, and uh, you know we're going to charge you a, a a significant premium for it, but broadband has been you know all you can eat uh, pretty much since its debut. Yes, but that's before we had high definition movies everywhere fair enough okay
0: <laughs> okay, but let's look at apple's goals here, okay Right now, we have Apple TV, which is a very limited function device that just takes streaming content with very little local storage, maybe enough to cache one movie or something like that. That's mm-hmm. about it. Okay. Now, we're seeing more and more programming options. They added some sporting events. It seems to me that they could also go to the TV networks and say, well, this is an option. They suddenly become the competitor to your cable TV. Cable. They are already yeah. in the sense that maybe you don't want to consume much more than local stations. You set up an antenna, and then if you want to see a pay-per-view or the latest movie, you go... Pay three or four ninety nine, get it from Apple TV.
13: Well, and, and there was a lot of talk uh, before the introduction of, of the last revision to Apple TV that Apple was perhaps looking to do that. You know that they were looking to turn Apple TV into a real head to head competitor for to cable and satellite, uh, and that uh, you know you would pay some. Uh, lower monthly fee and, uh, you know, get access to uh, a much wider range of unlimited programming on demand per month. Um, uh, as we've seen with Hulu, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's a difficult um, proposition because uh, the... Uh, The broadcasters uh, get paid, uh, in some cases, very high carriage fees uh, in order to have their content sent out over the cable networks. A
0: carriage fee, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, merely means that the cable TV has a license to send you the content from a particular station, period. That's all it's about.
13: Exactly, and and it, it varies widely depending on the power of that network. So probably the highest uh, is ESPN, uh, which gets uh, several dollars uh, of uh, of your satellite bill, of, of your cable bill, and I presume satellite as well. Even uh, if you to- don't
0: listen to the content, if you don't want their content, you still have to pay for it, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. because of all these bundled packages. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out live. <laughs>
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We're back with Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, covering now, of course, the availability of content and how Apple might want to enhance their presence in the living room. Some have suggested that Apple TV will become an Apple-connected TV, being the whole TV. Is there room in the market
13: for another entrant? You know, it's uh, the the television business is very tough and very competitive, but so was the smartphone business. Famous um, last words, Apple couldn't possibly sh- 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 succeed with smartphones. Right. Uh, so they, uh, you know, they they certainly could do it. You know, it's a question, and, and perhaps they will. Yeah, I think there's a fair chance that they'll eventually do it. I know. Bose has a TV now. Yeah.
0: That surprised me. Bose has a TV. And let's move into the TV front, okay? because we've covered all these other aspects. We covered Skype, we covered Microsoft, we're back into Apple. Let's look generally at the TV now. Has the flat panel revolution kind of tapered off because everybody has one? Uh,
13: we, we we do see high saturation at this point, and we have seen, uh, you know, in many cases, uh, year over year, unit, unit uh, slowdowns.
0: Okay, so most people who have a flat panel TV, you know, if they want one, they've got one. The question is, how do you get them to buy a new model? If you can get five or ten years' life out of the existing box. Right. And we know the hardware lasts longer and longer, except for power supplies, by the way. I've had <laughs> a couple of TVs where the power supply goes. I guess they haven't fixed those. Okay, so these things are lasting five or ten years. What is the yeah. incentive for me to take my 2006 Panasonic high-definition TV and buy a 2011?
13: Why do I want to do that? Uh, I suppose there could be a few reasons. You know, the picture quality does continue to improve in many cases, although, you know, in in many cases we have reached uh, diminishing returns uh, where even relatively low-quality sets provide uh, image quality that uh, many consumers find, uh, uh, you know, exceptional. Um, It's not like the days of CRT TVs where, you know, if it was a poor-quality
0: TV, you know, the shape of the picture was rounded in the corners, and we had all <laughs> right. those problems. You know, basically, there's a level of adequacy
13: for any flat panel TV, good plasma enough. or LCD. Right. The good enough formula. And, um So, you know, really the two main um, areas where TV manufacturers are pushing today uh, are connected TV and, of course, 3D. And the issue with connected TV um, is that it is very easy uh, to add that functionality without buying a new TV. So that's why there's uh, (laughs) so much focus on 3D, uh, even though it's uh, it's been a challenging proposition.
0: We understand that, you know, I don't have to buy. A brand new tv to get netflix and all that stuff i get my apple tv i have an apple tv it provides this extra content it's the connected tv in a
13: separate little tiny box or or a roku device for sixty dollars sure, sure. Or, or maybe or, even or, a google or.
0: tv but google tv seems to have disappeared
13: Oh, no, no, hardly. Uh, I mean there were there were sessions on Google TV at uh, the i o conference, and Google TV uh, is going to uh, be updated to the next version of the Honeycomb uh, operating system, which is now running on uh, Android tablets. Uh, and And at that point, it will get uh, the ability to run uh, applications uh, from the Android market. Which has been uh, one of its limitations up to this point. Question is, though, is it too expensive? I think that's one of the big arguments that too
0: many features, too much pricing.
13: Well, I mean, you know, today there are constraints around it. It's, uh, it's on an Intel uh, architecture. Uh, but over time, you know, it, it, it is going to support ARM. Uh, and, uh, you know, manufacturers are needing to put more powerful processors uh, in these sets anyway uh, to handle connected TVs and apps. And the question is, do you want to use Google's or do you want to try to roll your own? Is uh, really the main uh, decision at this point. Let's look at 3D.
0: Now, yes, we do see more and more movies, blockbusters, one or two every couple of weeks in 3D. <laughs> but if I want to watch 3D content, there's not a lot out there. Why pay $500 or $1,000 more for a set?
13: Uh, well, certainly your. You know, you're, you're, you're making a a bit of a leap um, of faith uh, at this point that not only that there will be more 3D content, which I, I think is a fairly safe bet, uh, but that there will be more in the genre you enjoy. Right. Uh, because uh, we've had a fair amount. I mean, you know, these days it's unusual for an animated Uh, computer animated kids movie not to be in 3D. So, you know, if you you have kids who enjoy that content or or if you enjoy that content, uh, you know, uh, and you're planning to watch a lot of that, then, you know, maybe it makes sense for you. Um, Sure, but you have to have enough
0: variety. If you have, you know, one movie every few weeks that you want to see, is it worth spending all that extra money? I mean, if you have a library of several hundred titles... You know, starting with House of Wax from the 1950s, Vincent <laughs> well, right. Price—that's that's, that's
13: really the killer, the killer
0: movie. That's the best uh, 3D movie ever. Forget it. So, Forget about Avatar. <laughs> Forget about Thor
13: with his hammer. House of Wax. It's old school, yes. Um, well, you know, I mean, there's also, uh, we're also starting to see 3D cable and satellite networks launched. Uh, so it's not just about the movies, it's also for sports. But, you know, um, really, I think the key thing that, that you're hitting on is that it's experiential, right? It's not like HD where you do the work and now, bam, you know, just about everything is in HD or, or critical mass of programming is in HD, including things like sit- where, you know, it doesn't really matter, Uh, at least until the time uh, when we don't need the glasses anymore, uh, it's going to require a fair amount of effort. uh, And some people don't dig those glasses. They give people headaches sometimes. Well, I mean, according to NPD's research, it's been a very serious obstacle, you know. Uh, What are the numbers, by the way? Since you did the research, is there a
0: percentage of people who would consider buying a TV with the glasses now?
13: Uh, well absolutely and you know we we see consumers buying TVs with the glasses at this point uh you know there's also an open question of well are they just buying those sets because they just happen to be very good TVs you know uh, 3D TVs are some of the best 2D televisions on the market. They tend to be the higher end TVs. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Which is another reason uh, why sales have been slow because they tend to be expensive products. Uh, but um, you know, we find now that other than price, uh, right behind price, glasses are uh, the number two. Uh, reason, uh, n- number two inhibitor, uh, to purchasing 3D televisions. And in fact, as an inhibitor, it's growing faster than price is. So in other words, as the prices of TVs, 3D TVs come down, and of course they will, uh, the glasses are poised to really be the number one reason why uh, consumers aren't, aren't buying them. And when we ask them how serious a drawback is it, the majority say that it's at least somewhat uh, of a drawback or a serious drawback well consider this as some sets come with no
0: glasses at all these electronic glasses they provide can cost 150 dollars or more each imagine if you have a large family or you have a family of three or four people sure. and they bring their friends over but we don't have enough glasses you can't watch sure. the content and the fights
13: begin so there's a few things happening there. And you have all that
0: violence. Just think about it. Think about the story in the newspapers or on your local TV, you know, about murder
13: because of 3D TV. Uh, that's, that's not the kind of fighting you want to see in 3 d uh, is sure as heck don't. Uh, Well, you know, a couple of things there. I mean, the the prices of what you describe, active shutter glasses, are uh, continuing to come down, and they're getting lighter and less expensive. But really, there's uh, a lot of excitement over a different type of 3D technology called passive 3D. uh, And we're seeing sets from uh, LG and Vizio come into the market now that use the same inexpensive, almost disposable uh, 3D glasses that – that you use in the theater. So to your, you know, friends coming over scenario, you just keep a bowl of these things um, on the table and everybody grabs one, not a problem.
0: Well, the other technology, of course, is no glasses, whatever. We had somebody from a company called 3D Fusion on Mm -hmm. someone's back and they're developing a technology, but it's kind of based on the one that you see these Disney pictures where you'd see this kind of ribbed glass that's on something that provides kind of a pseudo 3D image. And I gather they were trying to adapt this technology, which was developed by Philips, to make it into a regular TV, something that would be like an overlay to your regular TV, eventually so thin you wouldn't notice it. Really complicated. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD group for one more session. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
12: Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as 2 dollars And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com.
0: Ever been to a concert and wish your friends could experience the atmosphere with you? Ever been on a mountaintop and wish you could share the beautiful view with your family? Ever thought, they've got to see this? Share those amazing experiences with the unique photo collages of the iPhone app, You Gotta See This, by Boink Software. Now available for the iPhone 4, iPod Touch, and the brand new iPad 2 for just $1.99. See great examples at boinks.com slash see this.
10: Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with you, Hindi and Super Fem Plex for summer toning. Buy glucosamine chondroitin 60 caps. Summer sale priced at only $12. Colon answer 250 caps. Summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time.
17: As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the US dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169.
18: Food prices are spiraling out of control. In order to survive, you will soon need to produce some or all of your own food in your backyard or small farm. Many years ago, sought-after radio guest Marjorie Wildcraft and her family began working to find the easiest ways to grow food for the crisis we are now facing. Marjorie created a video that is the fastest way to learn how to grow food. You'll learn the most efficient gardening methods, myths and truths of orchards and edible landscaping, effective predator protection, and even home butcher. Everyone is talking about Marjorie's DVD, and it's highly recommended by Jim Rawls, Jack Spurko, and Bountiful Gardens. Read her free reports on how to have a green thumb, making free fertilizer, and answers the question, do you need a gun to garden? If you want the security, savings, and freedom of food self-reliance, buy Marjorie's DVD and get the free reports at BackyardFoodProduction.com. Again, that's BackyardFoodProduction.com.
6: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
9: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: We return with Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. And we're discussing the research, the industry analysis. We talked about Microsoft and Skype and lots of other stuff, 3D TV. So where is it going? Do we expect to see a real 3D TV without need of the glasses in the next couple of years?
13: Well, uh, yes. I mean, the, the question, uh, the easy question is uh, if, and the very hard question is when. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, I think the way that it, it we'll likely see it play out is um, there are a number of trade-offs around, the, obviously, the price uh, and the size of the television uh, that you can support with the technology. So, of course, today, you know, we have uh, very small screens that work Fairly well uh, without glasses, like the Nintendo 3DS, uh, and I'm sure we'll see tablets. Um, we, you know, we're going to see a couple of smartphones come out with 3D screens, like the Evo 3D and the LG Thrill. Uh, and you know, we'll, we'll start to see uh, a larger uh, form factor devices, uh, maybe things in a tablet or you know, portable media player format. Um, but once we start getting into larger screens that are in consumers' bedrooms. Rooms or even living rooms. It's going to take a while to work out the viewing angle uh, challenges um, inherent in delivering um, glasses-free. 3D to to a screen that size. Uh, There's uh, there are a number of techniques being worked on. You know, it's it's certainly far enough away uh, from hitting mainstream price points that um, you know the industry feels that this is a solution they can offer today, uh, even though everybody knows it's it's not ideal. And the
0: question is here: What will happen to people who buy into this technology? And it's supplanted by something else, something better in a few years before it even gains major traction.
13: Well, the um the content should continue to work. Um, so the the 3D spec, uh, for example, that's used by Blu-ray, uh, works regardless of whether you have an active uh, technology 3D TV, passive technology 3D, which we talked about, or glasses-free uh, 3D. So, uh, so the content should be preserved. You know, it's for- just a
0: matter of how it's going to be reproduced. E- exactly. And even then, if you go into you know today. Video, you have plasma, you have LCD, you have all sorts of variations in the ways to interpret an image to produce better quality, we hope. Has it reached a point where LCD, when it comes to TVs, that LCD is starting to get closer and closer to parity with plasma, such as action
13: scenes, such as wider (laughs) viewing angles? I mean, both technologies have made uh, made progress on the traditional strengths of the other. Uh, we have seen plasma make somewhat of a resurgence in the past year. Uh, Panasonic, for example, has been particularly aggressive uh, in pricing uh, 720p plasma uh, TVs. So those have been available at very attractive prices, uh, and consumers have been snapping them up. Uh, and uh, Panasonic, you know, has made a, a good case. Uh, for the suitability of plasma to, to 3D, uh, and they continue to, uh, to make that case. So, so in our, you know, in, in, in looking at the sales of 3D televisions, plasma, uh, has a far larger share of the 3d TV market uh, than it does of the LCD TV market or at least has up to this point but now what we're starting to see are uh, more 3d LCDs at smaller screen sizes uh, aimed at bedrooms or perhaps uh, for video games uh, and of course you know that's going to be a challenge for plasma because they don't they're not really available in those sizes.
0: One of the other arguments in favor of LCD is that it uses less power for a given screen size in plasma. Have they found ways to make plasma much more power-efficient?
13: absolutely, absolutely. They're uh, you know, getting back to Panasonic, for example, they have uh, uh, invested a lot in this um, uh, technology called neo neoplasma, uh, which uh, you know can be far more power efficient than its predecessor.
0: Does neoplasma make any sense to people, normal people who want to understand what that means?
13: <laughs> it's just uh, the the next generation of their plasma TVs so it just basically uses less power that's that's one of the advantages yes okay what are the other advantages uh, deeper blacks
0: you know for example when we talk about all this jargon deeper blacks that really means that stuff that's black on the screen appears more yeah. natural right
13: it means that uh, things that are supposed to be black um, are not, for example, uh, dark gray. So what that means is that the colors will will contrast more sharply uh, against a a truly black background, and and it provides a picture that is said to to really pop uh, in terms of providing um, you know colorful visual impact. The other question is how long do these things <coughs> last nowadays? I buy
0: an LCD or a plasma TV. I'm spending a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for this thing. You know, it's hard to get that money together, or I have to max out a credit card. How many years' life can I get out of those things before they really start to deteriorate?
13: You know, I, I mean, I I've seen figures released that uh, plasmas produced at least in the last few years will you know take up to ten years to lose half their brightness, which uh, I, I've seen cited in several places as kind of the definition for the lifespan uh, of a television until it loses half of its brightness. So, uh, and then, you know, and I believe even that number includes uh, a, a pretty aggressive, number of hours viewed per day uh, so you know these days hey I mean how many uh, CRT TVs did we see thrown out uh, that were still in working order you know I'll tell the, you what
0: I've got one from 1995
13: in my son's oh, bedroom well sure lots of people do lots of people do uh, not not in your son's bedroom uh, in particular actually we have, have a whole
0: collection their- there we have 500 sets in
13: there wow wow that is impressive if um, you can
0: believe that you can believe anything <laughs>
13: (laughs) Well, uh, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's really not the limiting factor in many cases. Okay,
0: before we limit ourselves too much, tell our listeners where they can go and take your time with this, where they can go and find more of the things that the NPD group does and Ross Rubin in particular does.
13: Uh, sure, Gene. Thanks. Uh, so uh, NPD, uh, as uh, as you noted, we're a market research firm. We uh, we track the industry. Uh, we're at NPD.com, and uh, my colleagues and I uh, blog at uh, npdgroup, Group So NPD Group Blog.com. Uh, And I'm also pretty active on uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, and you can follow me uh, at uh, at sign Ross Rubin, R-O-S-S-R-U-B-I-N. So basically, you live in
0: a world where you communicate with people in 144-character
13: snippets. One, 140. 140. For, for me, for me, they, they cut off four characters. Actually, Just- he's
0: a character. <laughs> you should see the four characters he used to be, Ross Rubin. And now, being that he's been the four characters in the past, now he's only one character. But you'll have all this stuff. And of course, any time... Company announces sales or merger plans or things like that. He looks at what's going on, the trends of the industry, who is succeeding, who is not succeeding, and that kind of thing. tries to take out his little crystal ball because we have a paranormal show. I have to tell you that Ross has a real crystal ball. No, he doesn't. Yeah, a lot of smart people. They put numbers together. They take out their abacus and they get it together. On the Tech Night Out Live, thank you, Ross Rubin, for being a guest this week. Thank you so much, Gene.
2: If you suffer from poor sleep, you need My Pillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, My Pillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. My Pillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. My Pillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and. Dryable. My Pillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60 day money back guarantee, and an industry leading 10 year warranty. Order today at mypillow.com or call 952 442 6199. That's 952 442 6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed.
10: Spring
3: and a new growing season are here. Plan a healthy garden easy and fast with OrganicaSeed.com. Easy because OrganicaSeed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to OrganicaSeed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A, seed.com. OrganicaSeed.com. Remember, OrganicaSeed is healthy seed.
6: the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here you're listening to the tech
9: night owl live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to happen next
0: We have Ryan Rosenberg. He's vice president of marketing and services for FileMaker. And FileMaker is that other company that's hooked up with Apple, and they produce this very well-known database. And let me tell you a story about FileMaker before we get into the show, Ryan. And that is back around 1989, before many of our listeners were born. And at that time, I needed to do a mailing list for a magazine. I said, how am I going to do this? So somebody said, you know, I had a Mac, Go get FileMaker. So for those who are wondering, what is FileMaker? What's it all about?
19: Well, the good news is that now you can still do that mailing list on your magazine. But we've I got still have the more. same one, by the way, the same mailing list. It, it, and that's very typical of databases. One of the things we find about databases, and that's what FileMaker does, by the way. We're a wholly owned subsidiary of Apple that focuses on databases. We have products for Mac. We have products for Windows. And, by the way, we are by far the leading database on iOS. We're the leading database on the iPad and the iPhone uh, and the iPod Touch. Anyway, the the, the things that people will do with databases are exactly the things you're talking about. They're managing people. They're managing lists of people, for example. And they find that maybe they outgrow a spreadsheet. The list gets too long or they've got too much information to track. So they want to put it on their, on their desktop, let's say, and they, they put it on their Mac. Then they want to bring it over to the iPhone because, by gosh, they're running an event and they want to go out to the event and they want to have that list there. So we make it very easy to create a solution on your, on your Mac or on your, on your um, Windows machine, and then we make it very easy to get that information over to the iPad so you can have it with
0: you. Now let's look at business and consumer reasons for having this. We have the mailing list, of course. Mm-hmm. But the way you set this up, you can actually take the same data and deploy it for a number of purposes, right?
19: That's right. So a couple of good examples of how people are, are using the FileMaker Pro and connected with FileMaker Go, let's say. FileMaker Go is our, is our version of FileMaker Pro that runs on the iPhone and the iPad. Uh, a small bookstore owner, a bookstore called Orca Books. She keeps her inventory in FileMaker Pro. I think she's using a Mac for that. And uh, she's got all these books listed. And then she goes out to do rare book auctions. And she buys rare books and she can sell them. Well, the last thing she wants is to own two copies of the same rare book. So uh,
0: Not at the she, prices you have to pay for those rare books sometimes.
19: Not at the price you have to pay for the rare books. And I guess there's just only so many buyers in the world for each rare book. So she wants one of each one. And so what she does is she copies her database over from her desktop and she copies it over onto her iPhone, I think she uses. And now when she's out at the auction, she's, she's got all of her um, information with her from her inventory. And the neat thing is if she happens to want to update it while she's there, she can just copy it back off to her desktop when she comes back to the office. So she's able to make full use of a database. The one thing since you're, you've used a database, Gene, you'll know about our products, whether it's Bento, which is our personal database line, or FileMaker Pro, which is our business database line, is they're really easy to use. That's
0: at the core of everything we do. We want that's to make the one databases. thing I wanted yeah? to bring out here. But the thing is here is that as soon as you hear database, and it's just like spreadsheets, you you know, your mind kind of glazes over, your eyes become unfocused, and you start worrying, how am I going to get up to speed using this application? So tell our listeners, you know, kind of give them a hint as to what's involved in getting up to speed with FileMaker Pro.
19: Well, with FileMaker Pro, it's it's really easy. I mean, what's getting up to speed is maybe you install it and you watch a few videos and then you get going. There's a couple there's a couple great ways to get started. First thing to keep in mind is when people buy a database, they usually have a task in mind. They're trying to manage that inventory or they're trying to keep track of or they're trying to organize an event or they're trying to uh, do, you know do a better job tracking their projects. And whatever it is, they have an idea in mind. And there's two ways you can get started. One is if you already have information, let's say it's in a spreadsheet, you can just drag it over on top of FileMaker Pro. And all of a sudden FileMaker Pro will will look like a, a spreadsheet. You know, you'll have rows and columns. And you'll say, well, why would I want to bother that? I already have it in a spreadsheet. Well, because now that it's in a database, some magic occurs. You now can work with each record in a form, We'll automatically generate a form. So it's easier to enter your information. It'll be more accurate. You can easily search on the information and just bring up the records you're interested in. You can sort it. So there's much, it's much better to, to use. You can create custom reports. The other thing that people will do with a database is use what we call a starter solution. You can think of these as templates or sort of kind of very complete templates that that do a whole range of tasks Filemaker all by itself ships with a whole bunch of starter solutions covering everything from contact management to doing email campaigns to doing um, faculty and staff management for schools or for you know home use we 've got things like home budgets and uh, you know photo catalogs in there so there's a whole range of different what we call starter solutions that come with Filemaker pro and you can use those to get started as
0: well so i don 't have to figure out how to set the mailing list. I just maybe start with one of your templates, and then I can build from there.
19: That's right. Now, here's the key. File, those are what we call starter solutions for a reason, because the reason that you would want to start with a database is because you want to customize things. You, you know, guess what, Gene? It's got to work your way.
0: What's that? Okay. One question here. So people aren't confused. I take a spreadsheet. I, I take a numbers, a spreadsheet like numbers, or I take a spreadsheet like the one that Microsoft has. Yeah. And I realize you can bring that data into FileMaker Pro. But how do yeah. I know? That I really just don't want a spreadsheet, and I need to have a database program like this.
19: Yeah. So, w- when are you when are you passing over the use from spreadsheet use to spreadsheet abuse? Right. When are you abusing your spreadsheet? Um, you, I'll tell you when you're abusing it. First of all, you tend to abuse it when it gets real long you know what, managing a list of 10 names in a spreadsheet isn't a big issue. How about managing a list of 300 names? That starts to be difficult. Second thing is when you've got a lot of information on each person, as an example. You know what, if you just have a name of a person and how much they donated last year, you can manage that in a spreadsheet. What if you have a name of each person, how much they donated for the last 10 years, their address, there, you know, a picture of them, you know, you start getting more and more information together, a spreadsheet starts to break down. And that's when you know you want to get to a database, when you're having trouble organizing the information. Another example of when you want to go to a database is when you want to share the information with someone else. A spreadsheet is a good individual use tool, but let's say that you and I are working together and we're we're in a company, let's say, and we want to share the same database of customers. Well, how do you do that with a spreadsheet? So with a, with, a, with a database, you can put it on one machine, and everybody can access the information on their computer, or even, by the way, they can access it on their mobile device.
0: So those okay, are so does the it reasons. have live updates if I change somebody's name, information, on my copy of my iPad, and my Mac over at home, my wife's looking things over? So how does that impact what she's doing? The update shows up immediately? Can you have this collision where two people are picking up the same record, or you can't?
19: Well, there's two ways to handle that. One way is like the example I gave you, the bookstore owner, where you copy your information over to your iPhone or iPad. Now That's a great scenario when only one person is using it. If more than one person is using the data at the same time, what you do is you can open it remotely. You can do this over the internet, by the way, is you go back to the machine that has the, the, the database. Sometimes people put a server in for this. And you open the database remotely, and then other people can open the database, let's say, locally, and you're all looking at the same information at the same time. I make a change to something, it instantly changes for you. You make a change to something, it instantly changes for me.
0: What if you're both working on the same record?
19: (laughs) There's something called record locking. That means that, like it sounds, it locks the record. So So basically if I grab that record
0: to fix it, I want to change the phone number, somebody else can't do the same thing.
19: They can't. You can view it. Someone else can view it, but they can't change it at the same we time. We can't have, we have that
0: collision. It. We can't have that fight. That's right. Okay. It's, it, it, it introduces peace into organizations. That's what we do. Well, we hope so. Why'd you lock that record? <laughs> no, no, <definitely. laughs> you know, I want to get into, and we're going to have another ten-minute segment to talk about this further. But case histories, and maybe if you can think off the top of your head here, as a marketing guru over there at FileMaker, maybe think about what unique purposes people have applied to a database and we know the standard stuff you know if you want to keep a record of a customer or using a mailing list or for example a friend of mine used to stage jazz concerts in phoenix and so he had the names addresses of all his customers on the filemaker pro record and then as they bought tickets he'd know well this person bought tickets so i need to print out the labels and i need to print out the labels to send him the tickets so he had all mm-hmm. that information. That's how he ran a very small business. This is a very common use, not unusual. Like I said at the beginning of this interview, when I was putting out a magazine, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I do most of my stuff online. When I was putting out my own magazine, I had to send out subscription copies. I had to know who subscribed, who renewed. And so I set up this FileMaker Pro record. Actually, I cheated. I found somebody's template and I simply adapted it to my purposes. We have Ryan Rosenberg from FileMaker, and we'll continue on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com.
20: Did you know that billions are spent every year just for a simple drink of water? But it's the quality of the water that Americans are concerned with, especially after floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and other disasters that routinely disrupt and contaminate water supplies. Safe drinking water is too important to leave to chance. That's why you need an AquaRain water filtration system. The American-made AquaRain is an essential survival tool that operates for just pennies per gallon. It lets you retrieve water from lakes, ponds, streams, or rooftops during any disaster and assures you of healthy drinking water. The stainless steel AquaRain's patented space-age ceramic and GAC technology uses microfiltration and gravity to purify water. No chemicals, no electricity, no water pressure needed. And AquaRain's cartridges last for thousands of gallons. AquaRain is hands down the best water filter on the market. Call 800-572-2051 or go to AquaRain.com. That's 800-572-2051 or AquaRain.com. Every family needs an AquaRain.
6: If
14: you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at Restore Your Health HealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. The American people think they live in a constitutional republic, land of the free, home of the brave. Right. Just try those lines on the judge when you get a ticket or have to deal with a big bad IRS. Instead, use escapeharassment.com. Since 1972, our volunteer group of researchers and educators have successfully taught how to escape tickets by law, and it works. Escape harassment has three different steps to follow, depending on where you are in the ticket process. Learn how to escape tickets, IRS, or court proceedings before you go to court. For free, three-minute pre-recorded information and FAQs, call this toll-free number, one 877 That's 877-457-9009. Or go to escapeharassment.com and see our money-back guarantee. That's escapeharassment.com.
6: Remember, escape harassment works. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg.
9: What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: We have Ryan Rosenberg from FileMaker talking about FileMaker Pro. This is a database app that's available for Mac, for Windows, for iPhone, for iPad. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And before we broke for our benefactors, I posed the question which Ryan's thinking about here, and that is unusual cases where people applied something or used a FileMaker Pro database for an unusual purpose. Tell us.
4: Well,
19: one example would be uh, Dave Matthews Band. And there's a guy there named Ian Kuhn who's the um, uh, monitor engineer. And what that really means is he keeps he, – there's a lot that goes behind putting a band on stage. You think the guys just walk out there and play their instruments. But there's all the lighting. There's coordinating the set list. There's coordinating all these, these folks. So while the show's actually going on, they're using FileMaker Pro – to coordinate what each person's playing, to coordinate the writing, lighting show, to coordinate um, the audio effects. All of this is being coordinated through FileMaker Pro, and it's being managed. So there's a good example of something you wouldn't think, wow, when I go to a rock concert, a database is behind it? But in fact, that's the case.
0: Give well, it's very example. complicated, a rock and roll band. You have to think, you're having all the special effects. You have to have this logistics dealing with the crowd, the rehearsals, the material. It's not just four guys like the Beatles getting on stage and doing their thing. It's a whole enterprise now.
19: It really is. And the interesting thing is, of course you think about doing all that before the show and after the show, but you know, FileMaker is being used during the show. You know, the guy's sitting back there and they're flipping through FileMaker and it's controlling what it is the guys are playing. It's controlling what it is the guys, you know, what the show, uh, the lighting and all that. So it's actually
0: integrating with the lighting system, with the music. Well, it's not
19: quite integrated with the lighting systems, but what it's doing is it's giving instructions to the people in lighting. So that they can say, okay, it's telling them, you know, turn
0: the lights low, turn them high. Here, they're doing the break. So they're doing that break. They're kind of ad-libbing. They're kind of improvising. Let's have this kind of lighting.
19: That's right. That's exactly what it is. Um, And again, there's an example of you know, no one's gonna. There's, there's no um, program you can buy that does that. Just the way the Dave Matthews Band does wants to do it, they made it themselves. Macy's Day Parade coordinated uh, all those volunteers and such, coordinated through FileMaker Pro. Uh, lots of, lots of uh, smaller examples. We've got uh, um, one of our products. Uh, this is, I think, this one's on Bento, our, our, our personal database. There's a um, art, uh, art gallery down in Los Angeles, and people walk into an art gallery and they look at a painting on the wall and they think, hmm, I like that, but. Yeah, it's the wrong color. And so what happens is that the, the owner walks over to the person who's looking at the painting and goes, let me show you some other paintings from that same artist. Now, I don't have them in stock, but I'm going to show them to you right here on my iPad. And she pulls up the iPad, and she flips through the, the images and all the information about who did the, the, the painting and how much they cost and all that. All that's being stored in, one of, in our Bento database, and the person's using it there. We have examples of FileMaker Go being used the same way in a jewelry store. You walk in and you ask for some jewelry. They hand you the iPad. You can flip through the catalog there. Then when you want to get the jewelry, they hand back the iPad to the salesperson and they stick the jewelry on the iPad, like a little tray, and hand it back to you. So kind of a fun use of, of, of this. But the key thing for that, that customer, for the person using, uh, in either case, Mantor or FileMaker, is they're delivering this amazingly unique experience to their customer that they built themselves. They didn't need to be programmers. They didn't need to be developers. They just wanted to provide a unique experience, and they're doing it by managing your information in a
0: in a database. And it also becomes a catalog. The iPad becomes a catalog for these companies.
19: That's right. You you because the nice thing about FileMaker Pro or Bento is not only can you put information into them, but you can change the screens to way that look the way you want. So when your customer comes and they're flipping through the records, they're going to see a unique unique screen that reflects your business, that reflects your look. And the other thing is, too,
0: there's sufficient security here, so they can't log into your back-end information. They just see what you want to see.
19: Yes, that's correct. Well, in those cases I gave you on the iPhone and the iPad, or the iPad there, you probably don't even have it connected to the back, and you just copy it over because people are just viewing information. But there's lots of security. We're used in medical situations. There's a, an, an instance – I'm talking iPad and iPhone a lot, of course, because that's you know, the latest thing, and, 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 and they're quite hot, and people are using them. But we have, you know, of course, loads of people that use FileMaker without iPhones or iPads. But uh, here's an example of where there's a, a medical group that sends out um, – uh, nurses to hospitals to do to help with procedures, and they're using keeping all the patient information in a FileMaker database, and they're accessing it using FileMaker Go on the iPad. And they, boy, that's a, a high security type of situation. But they they checked our stuff thoroughly and determined that we have the security level to support it.
0: Can you use an application like FileMaker Pro to manage a medical or legal office?
19: Well, you can. I mean, if you know FileMaker Pro isn't you you're not gonna buy it and then install it in that day your medical office is, is automated, right? It's, it's about creating a custom solution. So, the, you know, the, first of all, people don't usually buy FileMaker Pro to say, let me manage my medical office. Usually they have a specific thing in mind, like we're dispatching these nurses out to hospitals. Boy, that process is confusing. We have to, they have to know which hospital we'll go to. They have to have patient information along with them. How are we going to coordinate all that? So they use a database like FileMaker in this case to create the, um, the solution to to, to create records to store the customer information to create our patient information, to create records to tell the, the nurses where to go, and there 's two ways to create this: one is someone in your office will get ambitious and do it themselves. That happens all the time by the way. the owner of the business, the office manager if, it, if they decide it 's a little too sophisticated for them, well there's over one thousand filemaker consulting firms
0: that are okay available. these are people who develop. Custom file maker solutions or templates for specific businesses.
19: That's right, exactly. Okay. So you pay somebody
0: They're, to do it, basically.
19: You pay someone to do it, and and there's over a thousand of them, and you can so you can find the one that's right for you. So that's another route to go. If you're if you're feeling like, gosh, I'm I'm struggling with this task. I, it's a lot of data involved. I know that a database could help me. I don't want to do it. Well, there's another option for you.
0: There are also free templates for those who have small businesses. that can't afford to pay somebody what they deserve <laughs> to do the programming. They can get free templates online.
19: That's right. One of our most popular is called the Business Productivity Kit and it involves inventory and people management and, uh, sorry, uh, customer list management and uh, project management. It's kind of all integrated together. It's free and you don't even need to buy FileMaker to check it out. You can just download a trial version of FileMaker. You can download that kit or some of the other kits that we have and see if uh, you know FileMaker is right for you. See if and, the database is right for you.
0: And It's not a very expensive program, is it?
19: No, it's really not. I mean, we have two. Again, we have two product lines. One of them is Bento. One of them is FileMaker Pro. Bento, the personal database, is only $49. FileMaker Pro is only $299.
0: That's about the and same price I paid back in 1989, I think. I don't think it changed that much. No, it's really not. And we've added a few things since 1989. So it's, I hope. we like to think it's a better deal. A <laughs> couple of things you added. I think people will ask, this is a really fast question, how does FileMaker relate to Apple Incorporated?
19: So FileMaker is a wholly owned subsidiary. So we have our own logo and such, but we're, we're, you know, we're part of Apple our financial results are part of Apple's, you know, we're kind of, we're part of the company.
0: Okay. Now, can you give us any hints, and I know this is one of the questions people from Apple don't want to answer, as to directions you think FileMaker is moving in the future?
19: Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're very committed to this iOS thing. We think it's more than a fad. I mean, I'm joking there. I mean, obviously, it's one of the fastest moving technologies of, of all time. And so we're very excited about our, our leadership on iPhones and iPads, and we intend to keep keep developing both our personal database product, vento and our business database, FileMaker Pro, for the iPhone and the iPad. We tend to put a lot of investment there.
0: And I guess some people are suggesting one day a lot of the people who use personal computers today will just take out their iPads and do it all there.
19: Yeah, you know, I can't predict the the future of the iPad. I know I love mine, but you know I, it, all I can predict is it looks <laughs> it looks like people are going to do a whole lot of different things on the iPad and the iPhone.
0: It's fascinating where it goes. It's fascinating where an app like FileMaker Pro has gone. Something that started in the 1980s in the early days of Apple and is still going strong. And of course, we've had discussions on Bento in the past on the Tech Night Out Live. All very interesting. Tell our listeners where they can find more about FileMaker Pro
19: www.filemaker.com and you'll find tons of information free free copies of the software to try out as well as lots of templates
0: and before we let you go let's remind our listeners also that you can find out more of the things that I do at technightowl.com that's technightowl.com on Twitter on technightowl that's technightowl at Twitter follow us maybe neighbors we will follow you And you can write us, news at technightowl.com, or check out our wild and woolly paranormal radio show called The Paracast, a cult phenomenon around the world, the Paracast at paracast.com. And on The Tech Night Owl Live, a special thank you to you, Ryan Rosenberg from FileMaker. Thanks for joining us on The Tech Night Owl Live.
9: My pleasure.